Welcome back, everybody. We're uh, recording episode nine. Not Did just welcome right? back, but welcome to new listeners that are joining by oh, the droves. I just assume that we were just locked into the people that are listening to us and no one is ever joining us. So. Shout out to Romania, though. We need to do a oh, shout out yeah. to Romania. Word to Romania. Uh, because that's 2% of our market we learned the other day. Yeah, which, which is, is awesome. Great. 2% of our downloads are we're, from Romania. We're breaking out the side of Australia. I don't know the native tongue of Romania. Romanian? I want to say some kind of Dracula joke here, but I'm going to be racially sensitive. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, you know how I am. For the people that listen to us, yeah. show some respect. 109. We're doing um, movies movies with starring Gene Starring Wilder. Gene Wilder. Yeah, as a bit of a tribute to the late great man. Yeah, who passed away in August of this year at the tender age of 83. Hmm. We've been talking about doing it for a while and we've finally done it and- um, we've brought on a guest who uh, will let you introduce yourself. A special guest. Special guest. Well, my name is Jim, but people call me Jim. <laughs> That's not your real name, though, is it? No, it's not my real name. <laughs> my real name is Enigma Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to Prepare die. To die. <laughs> See? That's Princess Bride. That's now officially a Princess Bride reference. We're done for the show. <laughs> no, we're not, but there's no, there's no limit on how many just, Princess yeah, Bride references. Right. Shane could talk about that all night. Yeah, then. check the last episode. I'm just proving I'm a super fan. Now, my name's Ewan. Um, hi, everyone. You, uh, we like to ask the generic questions to get out of the way, just yep. to develop who Ewan is as a moviegoer. Sure. Favourite movie in the top three, constantly cycles in. may come in and out, but it's always making an appearance in the top three. I have, uh, I have a solid two that I call my Desert Island Playlist. Yep. Which is, if I was trapped on a desert island, I would not need a movie player to know these movies and run through them and enjoy them. You would them. just go all Tom Hanks I've watched and, them, and I've watched them that many times, the they're burned into my retinas. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off and The oh. Blues Brothers. Oh, oh, good choices. Two very solid yes. choices. Yeah. I could see you on a beach with a bunch of coconuts painted to <laughs> different characters from the movie. So reenacting Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I didn't think there was or, any footage of that, but okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, uh, worst <laughs> movies, constantly, that you just... Surprised that you don't see other movies that are worse than this movie that you once yeah, saw. Yeah, I've, I've known this question has been coming for some time. Mm. And it's a tough question. It's, it's, it's much it tougher really than the, 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 the I, best question movies. I think I settled it by saying that the, the last movie that I paid to see that I would have gouged my eyes out instead of see again, um, and that was Insurgents, the sequel to Divergent. Oh, yeah, mm. right. That's that, uh, with that. She's a lovely actress. I like her, but yes, those films are terrible. Yeah. Because um, haven't they been reduced now? The last one's going to be a TV show, not even a movie. I, I don't care, truth be well, told. I'd rather it would just that's thrown into a pit fans. and burned. That's, that's where I'm at. You're like, you're the reason there's a TV show. All those <laughs> letters you wrote to them. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, but it's safe to say you're a Gene Wilder fan. Definitely. I grew up, yeah, definitely being you, a fan of Gene Wilder. You know your comedy movies. Very well, So yes. you know anyone who knows good comedy knows Gene Wilder, um, which is the whole point of the episode. The three hmm. movies we looked at, um, obviously there was a plethora to choose from, but we chose Young Frankenstein- See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and uh, Blazing Saddles. 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 For a second there, I went blind. I just thought we'd quickly talk about him before we get into the movies. Um, he's a big influence on me in, in my movie watching. Like He was a big one that I spent a lot of time with my dad watching his movies, Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, mm-hmm. like, um, especially all the Richard Pryor team-ups, because that was like when I was young watching those with my dad, they were kind of like naughty comedies because like, there was a bit of foul language, mainly from Pryor's part, but... Wilder always plays the straight man against him, which is fantastic and works to a treat. Uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil is one of my films that cycles in my top three, and yep. I get very upset when people say they haven't seen it, which is a lot of people because it's a very <laughs> obscure film. Yeah. But then they see it and they're like, either you're an idiot or that was great, that was hilarious. 
Um, but it's it's one of those like I love those old style humors, and some people I guess would call it dated and stuff like that. Um, well, I yeah. sold it to Nat as probably one of the funniest movies ever made. Oh, really? Yeah. And how'd that go? She was laughing her butt off, so <laughs> that worked. Well, I love that you didn't have to abbreviate that either. Most people would have LAMO'd or something like that. No, I don't do that. You didn't no. do that. I tell people off for like verbalizing abbreviations, like people that say lol, they, yeah. can, they can get stuff. Yeah, totes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I just thought we, we did print out his, um, his body of work, which looks nice and daunting across these pages, starting back in 1961 all the way up to 2003. He seems like a very, from what I've read, he seemed very picky about like the projects he chose and his involvement and his level of involvement in those projects. Yeah, he, uh, he always liked to have a, some sort of creative input into the, the characters he was creating or the films that he was producing or helping to co-write as well as star in. And, yeah. Yeah, he liked to, to have a second hand in what he was doing as well. That's right, yeah. And I think probably the one of the ones we almost did was the, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. yeah, which is an easy choice to do. Which is an easy choice. Yeah. And, yeah. But it also I think one of his more, like it's definitely one of the most iconic roles he's yeah. done. Hmm. But also one of the most layered performances, like obviously that movie when you watch it, if you've watched it when you're young and then you watch it later, it changes for you every yeah. time you watch it. There's like by the time I was an adult watching it, I'm like, this guy's a lunatic. Like, <laughs> he's going to murder all these children. Like he's, you know, that the ride on the boat, every time that gets me. And oh, his that's little, fantastic. His little monologue he has and the, the round. There is no round. earthly way of knowing <laughs> which direction we are going. A little piano. And the road. Keep on rowing. That um, there's an awesome clip where someone made turned it into a horror film. Yes. It's on like one of those funny or die <laughs> websites with Christopher Lloyd as Willy Wonka. It's brilliant because he's just quoting the film and it works so well in a horror <laughs> film. Um, but no, one of my favorite, just since we're on Charlie and Chocolate, one of my favorite things about Gene Wilder is uh, you know the little stumble he takes at the the start oh, of the film. Oh yeah, where he's yeah, where he can get stuck. In yeah, roles, Gene yeah. Wilder wrote that into the script. Yeah, right. And when he was asked why, he said, "Well." If I do this as the very first time you meet the character, from that point forwards, you will never know what I'm going to do next. Yeah, that's a, that is a great. That's yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, that's really clever. I didn't know that. That's brilliant because, like, obviously, your first impression of a character in a movie can determine the personality of the character, what type of character. So, mm. yeah, that's a great way to introduce a character. That's really cool. See, that's the kind of genius he was. Obviously, we blazing saddles. We're going to go through. Um, he did the I, very briefly. I remember him in the. Um, the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. He was like the smarter brother, and it was, he was <laughs> yeah, brilliant the, the, at that. Uh, worst, the world's greatest lover. Um, brilliant. Stir Crazy is one of my favorites. Yep. Um, I'm just looking through some of his, you know, Another You, Funny About Love, uh, Haunted Honeymoon, The Woman in Red. He's not your traditional leading man, but he pulls it off in some films where, mm. you know, if he was an actor now, he wouldn't get those roles in modern cinema. No. Like, they wouldn't take the chance on that kind of stuff. And let alone the dialogue and the way the films, and we'll talk about that when we go into the films, but. I think a lot of those films he did, he, they studios wouldn't take a risk on a guy, you know, especially a forty-year-old actor who's. Let's face it, he's not a very good-looking guy. No, he's he's awkward looking, but crystal blue eyes. I oh, think that yeah. wins him a, a bit of. Few oh, points. when you see him in his younger stuff, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, he, he definitely has a 20s. twinkle to him. But yeah, uh, I think he, he even described himself once as the comb over that never ended. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it starts like a comb over, but where the comb over would cover, there's more hair, so it just keeps coming, <laughs> just keeps going, keeps going just over. A wave. Yeah. <laughs> so we should probably jump in our time machine, our movie reviewing time machine. We're gonna have to fuel this baby up eventually. It's fueled by rubbish. No, so I'm luckily, luckily we talk so much rubbish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This thing is constantly by the end of every episode. It's all overflowing with fuel. Yeah, 1974's <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Uh, beautiful film, black and white film. 
Uh, Mel Brooks was the director, had to fight pretty hard to uh, get it in black and white. They didn't want him to do it. Some of his other, obviously Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles, The Producers, Silent Movie, History of the World, Spaceballs. We were just talking about Robin, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Yep, tight tights. Tight tights. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, obviously the writers on, the, on this were Brooks and Wilder, so they, they wrote this together and it sounds like they had a lot of shenanigans I read going through the IMD trivia, which I'll run in a second. Runtime, an hour and 46 doesn't feel like it at all. Like, it's such a pleasant film. Like, you know, hmm. an hour. I love it when a film's like an hour and a half and it just goes fast. Um, stars, you've got plenty of big stars. Gene Wilder, Marty Feldman, Madeline Kahn, Peter Boyle, Cloris Leachman, Terry Garr, Gene Hackman has Gene his little Hackman. Yep. cameo there, <laughs> which is brilliant. Um, do you want to take a swing at the plot, Ewan? A swing at the plot. Mm. Well, uh, let's see. Depending on which iteration of the script you look at, the grandson or the great-grandson of uh, the famous Dr. Frankenstein inherits his castle and uh, takes over his life's work to reanimate Deb Corpses. That's about it. Yeah, mm. perfect. Yep. Obviously, uh, he's a bit res- his great-grandson is a little resilient at the start. and He's furious at the start. <laughs> any, any links to any sorts of shenanigans like that? Well, at the start of the movie, he's a Frankenstein, not a Frankenstein. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he gets very particular about it. It's pronounced Frankenstein. This movie is so quotable, and if you haven't seen the movie, you should probably stop the podcast now and go and watch it, because yes. otherwise you're just going to hear us giggling a lot about stuff that we're just remembering <laughs> from the film and think, be what's random, wrong with these three? There'll be random quotes just coming out possibly, Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, I read some great trivia on this that I thought, you know, I like to whip open the old IMDb trivia book. And have a quick look. Um, some of the cool trivia I read was the original cut was three hours long. Wow. Three hours long. And they had to cut. There was so – they cut – out of every four jokes, they cut three. And they just had to keep cutting stuff and cutting stuff. And apparently they, um, they got into a massive fight. Gene, the Gene Wilder was on this interview saying they got into a massive fight because they wrote most of the thing in Gene Wilder's apartment. Mm-hmm. And they got into this big fight. And Brooks stormed out. And then like 20 minutes later, Wilder get a phone call and he said – who was that madman you let into your house? Like, he's a lunatic. Never let him into your house ever again. <laughs> and then hung up the phone. And, and Wilder, like, in one of his last interviews, said that was like how Mel Brooks apologised. He never said sorry. That was just how he apologised. I thought, fuck, that's so good. But, like, if the two of them having to, like, get on each other's nerves like that produces a script like this, that's brilliant. Like, mm. it's so good. Like, I, I, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, the other thing I read was um, it was his favourite movie to make. Wilder's favourite movie to make was was this. And Brooks even said the same, like he actually added on more shots. Yeah. They had money left in the budget and he didn't want to leave these people because they were all having so much fun working together. That's so, why they had a, a three-hour cut. That's yeah. why they had a three-hour <laughs> cut, yeah, because he said they'd just do the jokes and script and then they just – I mean, Madeline Kahn, Marty Feldman, uh, as Gene Wilder, like those three together, uh, like and, and even Cloris Leachman, she's like genius as well, like mm-hmm. comedy. Imagine just letting those four improv a scene. Like I think it's – I read somewhere it took a day to shoot the scene where – all she does is get out of the car when his wife comes and they greet her at the door and walk her in. It took him a day to shoot that. It's yeah. like 30 seconds. Gene Wilder kept breaking and laughing it. Yeah, and yeah. there's like there's no special effects. There's nothing that has to be done. It's just they kept laughing and breaking each other up too much, like a full day. It sounds like this would have been the greatest movie to ever work on, as far as I can tell. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, knocked back because it was black and white. And then I read this, and I never, I never knew this until I read the IMDb trivia. Hmm. Steven Tyler went to the movies in 1974 when this came out. Yeah, I know this one. And then the next day he wrote Walk This Way based on the joke in the film. Right. He was inspired by <laughs> the joke in the film. There's a brilliant joke. Again, people think it's the lowest common denominator where 
uh, Igor or Igor, depending on how you want to <laughs> pronounce it. Which is a joke in itself. He's, he's hunched over with his thing and he's got his cane and he's walking downstairs and he tells, you know, <laughs> uh, Frankenstein, walk this way. And he hands him his like, foot and a half him, high yeah, walking yeah. stick. And like expects him to hobble down the stairs like he did. <laughs> Such a simple joke, but it's so funny because Walter's reaction is just like... Well, there's a moment where he's like halfway down the steps where he stops and goes, why am I doing this? Clearly yeah. he's just meant to follow <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the, the first of many of the Gene Wilder dramatic pauses, I think, we'll, we'll be discussing. Oh, yeah, He's absolutely. the king of the dramatic pause and during any conversation. He's, just his reactions and stuff is what makes him such a good comedic actor. Mm. I think all these three films, all of these films, but these three films, like especially Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, his comedic timing is brilliant. Like yes. He knows when to stop. He knows when to look. In this way, it's satirical, you know, and he can be overly dramatic and he can look off into the distance as he's, you know, saying these lines or hearing these lines. Waiting for the thunderstorm cue and the lightning. Yeah. One of my favourite reactions is the, when they, he goes, we need a monster, but he'd have to have huge proportions. And and um, Greta or Inga, sorry. Uh, he'd have to have a massive sponge sticker. Yeah, and he's like, yes, he would. And like, just the way he's like, you can see the wheels too. He's like, yes, he would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that's an odd thing to point out. <laughs> Uh, very good. Um, yeah, so I guess that's the sort of the bits and trivia. I don't know about you guys if you read anything about it because I was kind of doing a little, I'm thinking we're doing, you know, Gene Wilder episode, I'd read up some stuff. Um, uh, there's, there's far too many things for, for Young Frankenstein in particular. Um, uh, the studio obviously wanted to try and take uh, as much cuts out of it as they can. As you mentioned, they wanted to film in colour as well. And they're like, look, we'll, we'll film in colour, but you can release it in black and white. We've got no problems with that. We just want to film in colour because it's cheaper. Because at this stage, no one had filmed in black and white for a whole movie for about 30 or 40 years. No one yeah. really knew the technologies behind it. No one knew how to do it again. And then uh, Mel Brooks stuck to his guns and said, no, we're filming in black and white because you bastards are going to say, no, 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 we'll never release it in color ever, I promise. And then in 30 years, you're going to release a director's cut in color and I'm going to hate you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why it's black and white. And normally I don't really, I mean, I think it adds to the experience because we're well, satirically that classic universal monsters um, type of film from the 20s and 30s, and it mm. works to a treat. And it, I don't know, I always, not in an arty, pretentious way, but if shot right, black and white stuff looks quite nice, especially oh, with the wardrobes of the, the, and the very damp, dark sets and stuff like that. Mm. Well, the the two movies it's very much based upon to be a satire of is Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yep. And uh, the art director, for the first couple of, or first week or so, filmed it as if it was a traditional black and white movie. And then after the dailies, Mel Brooks called him over and said, look, this stuff is terrible. You need to fix this. He's going, well, what do you mean? It looks fantastic. He's like, no, it looks like a real black and white movie. We're doing a satire. Yeah. And he's like, you didn't tell me you were doing a satire. And G. Wilder's like, actually, you're right. We didn't tell him it was a satire. We, <laughs> we, we should fix that. <laughs> and so um, he, yeah. I, I read the, the parts in the lab were all from the original Frankenstein yes. film. Mm. He went out to the guy who made them and like, it was, yeah. They were like, just in his garage. Yeah, like, yeah he, he rented them for the means. movie and the guy got... So the guy never got credit on the original Frankenstein, so Brooks credited him in this for yeah. set design and, and, and construction. Just a cool guy. What a cool mm. guy. Like, mm. I love that. I, wish, you don't, I don't know if you see that kind of gung-ho filmmaking anymore where he's just like, well, I'm going to go find the guy and then I'm going to ask him if I can rent it for the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, I guess studios probably didn't control movies and big stars didn't control movies as much back in those days. No. Had a little bit more freedom to sort of do what he wanted. People probably don't care as much anymore either. They just no, that's true. Churn them out, move on to the next thing. Yeah, it's just all about the buck. Mm. Um, I love the opening scene. Uh, well, just past the opening scene where he's being buried, uh, which is hilarious as well. Where he won't let go of the box. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're introduced to Doctor Victor, uh, Doctor Victor uh, Frederick. 
Frankenstein, Frankenstein. and uh, one of he's in a medical class teaching teaching about you know neurons and physics and there's so many good parts in this. He brings the guy out like to demonstrate um, nerve endings and he clamps his nerves so he can knee him in the balls <laughs> and the guy's just screaming in pain but he's not moving an inch and his teeth are closed and he's like, give him another five dollars. <laughs> like as they're wheeling him off, the guy's just like in the most intense pain ever. And I love it. I love it so much when he's the guy's like really getting on his goat about your grandfather did this and mm. he was he's like you know I am a man of science my father my grandfather was a madman and he slams the scalpel down into his own <laughs> leg <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> and he just sort of folds his leg over <laughs> yes. and, like in his face that, like uh, it's that moment where he's holding the scalpel he takes his hand away the scalpel's still <laughs> yeah. there he holds the scalpel again Mm, okay, I gotta keep teaching. Like it, it, it's just his comedic brilliance. Like I just can't see anyone, like anyone else, ever doing and pulling that off. Right? Um, and then obviously he learns that he's inherited the castle, and he heads to the castle. And uh, there we meet. Well, we, we meet Igor at the train station when he gets off the train, played by Marty Feldman, who's so awesome in this. Who apparently just moved the hump around on set for like four or five days. Yes. And nobody noticed. And, and then they just went, oh, yeah, let's just keep that. And they wrote it into the script. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's brilliant. Um, and we meet uh, Terry Gar, who plays Inga. Uh, roll in the hay. Roll in the hay. Roll in the hay. <laughs> my, what knockers? Thank oh, you. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. The big knockers on the door. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and he's helping her down from the cart. <laughs> These big door knockers on them. Hmm, thank you. That's why it's like I love those jokes. I laughed out loud so much during all of this film. It, it, hey, was I, the, it was the next gag after that that got me every single time, which was every time the um, – I can't remember the character's name. The house. Frau Bueller. Yes. Frau Bueller. Every time, every time you hear her name, the horses go off and they're like, hmm. But then it happens three or four yeah. times later as yeah. well. Oh, and then Marty Feldman comes to Barrett and just goes, Bueller. Yeah, that's right. That is so good. I, I mean, like the gags are done in such a great way because – their reactions are so subtle and everything about the jokes mm. are subtle. And they're very basic jokes, but they work so well because of the way they're executed mm. and the way that the, the other actors react to them. Mm. Um, I think it's great. I think that, that, that sort of humour, I just you don't see that in films anymore. It's like really frustrating because like you watch these films and I laugh so loud, but then I watch modern-day comedies and maybe I'll get one or two. But like parts of this and like the other ones we watched, like I was crying with laughter with some of these. Like it just cracks me right up. Mm. Um. But yeah, the plot's pretty straightforward. We get a few other um, Peter Boyle. I forgot to mention as well, who plays the monster, as people might know him as the dad from everybody loves Raymond. Raymond. Yep, he's brilliant. Yeah, like what a stupid role you think as an actor. Oh, I'm just playing a monster and stuff. But he's so good in his reactions. Well, for the first, I don't know, 110 minutes of the movie, he's just yeah. yeah. We, we get introduced to him with, "I'm sorry, I thought I heard you make a yummy sound." That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's not looking at anyone, and he goes, mm. "He's like, oh, did you like that? Do you want some more?" Uh, and just some of the stuff's really subtle as well, like when. Um, the Frau is tucking, you know, taking him to his room for the night, and she's like, "Can I get you a brandy, a glass of milk, Ovaltine?" I'm fine. <laughs> He's like, "I'm yes. fine, thank you." And then you hear the sad piano, and he finds the lab, and he finds his grandfather's work, and he's all about resurrecting his grandfather's work. And you get the um, great scene with the digging up the body. They go to the cemetery <laughs> to dig up a body, and uh, Igor's or Igor's sent to go to the to get a brain, and he gets the. Abnormal. What does he call it? What did the Abby was the name? Yeah. Abby Normal. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. He brings the monster to life. The monster flips out, runs away, knocks him down, and 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 Frankenstein sits down and he's just coming. 
sit here, you know, I will come and sit. He sits on the ground. Yeah, uh, up on the chair. <laughs> he's like, now the brain I asked you to collect. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't this one, was it? <laughs> No. no. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. I'm just, fine. Like, it's such a straight piece of comedy, but it's so hilarious. He's like, what was the name? Abby. Abby Normal. Okay. That's good. And then he flips out. You got me an abnormal brain. He's like choking him. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, they're doing the, the bit where they start playing charades when he's getting choked. Oh, they're yeah. Like, three syllables. Yes. Yeah. Like, Second word. Set a give. Set a give. <laughs> and then they give him the sedative and he's just like so, so enraged by, by them. You know, set a give. Uh, and and that's I think Inga's really good as well because she plays it so like dumb and so naive. <laughs> um, and then yeah, obviously uh, the monster escapes, and that's when we have our Gene Hackman cameo, who I don't think is even credited in the. Um, He's credited is in he? the, yeah. the newest release. He wasn't uh, credited okay. at the time of release because it was one of his first jobs. I think I read somewhere. Um, kind of. He got in touch with Mel Brooks and just said, "Look, I'm not doing anything. At the minute you have anything that I could have a part in, yeah." Like, so Absolutely, he, Eugene Hackman. Sure, let's get you into something. And so, yeah, they gave him the scene as a blind man. And what a great little sketch. He plays like a blind priest and he's like giving him soup and he's missing the bowl and it's landing in the monster's lap and he's <laughs> like, again, Peter Boyle just like steals the show. If you watch it, it's almost a shot for shot remake of the scene from Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. There's a blind guy who gives the monster food and gives him this and does yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he, then he's got cigars, <laughs> except he brings out cigars to smoke. <laughs> sets his thumb on fire. Yeah, and the monster hates um, fire. Um, apparently, because at the end of that scene, the monster runs off, smashes through the door, and then they fade really quickly. Apparently, it was because uh, Hackman improvised the line. He yells out, I was going to make espressos. And the whole crew, like, lost their shit and laughed. <laughs> so they had to, like, quickly fade it out. I'm like, what a great line. <laughs> I was going to make espresso as the monster's running off. Um, and then, obviously, his wife rocks up, Madeline Kahn rocks up. And she's great in this, like, just playing, like, this real, like, prudish but not, you know... Um, Woman who won't, you know, give in to her lustful desires. Well, I love their um their scene as he departs as well. Where she's like, oh, on the train. Not on the lipstick. Yeah. Oh, careful of the hair. Not the nails. Not the nails. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and they like shake elbows. Yeah, on the way out. It's so it's good. He kind of look, goes to kiss her and he's like, elbow out. And she just elbows out. <laughs> you can't hug me. This is taffeta, darling. It'll crease. Because <laughs> originally she was going to play the Inga role, but she wanted to play the... the um, what was the character's name? I can't even remember. Wasn't there a scheduling difficulty between? Yeah, okay, there they, was. They, they thought they couldn't get it. So no, they apparently she else? was on because there's. Oh yeah, get it. I think I might read IMDb or one other website. She wanted to be in the movie, but she was on another thing. Hmm. Um, so she got fired off the other thing because she, if she quit it, she didn't get paid. So she and and some other famous actress took her role on that, and and that famous actress said, "I'm pretty sure she botched her acting." So purpose. she could get fired, so that yeah. she get paid and could go and do the the Mel Brooks film. I'm like, of course she did. Who, like, if Mel Brooks calls up and says he wants to do a film, you fucking drop whatever you're doing and yeah. go and do it. You know, like he's a genius, especially back then as well. Making something like this in 1974, like you know, unheard of at this stage. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, one of my favorite parts in Young Frankenstein from ever since I was a little little kid is where they try to animate the monster and fail, and he has that moment of no, 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 no. We accept failure with. Calm civility and tranquilness. <laughs> and there's that beat where you just know he's trying with every fiber of his being and he just loses it completely <laughs> and starts beating on the monster. Yeah. Damn you! Yeah, he's like slamming his chest. <laughs> starts choking the inanimate corpse because that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's choking him going, live! <laughs> live! 
Uh, and then so he takes obviously takes the monster on on show me get out putting on the Ritz routine, which is just. My second favourite scene in this oh, film. Oh, man, it's such a good little skit <laughs> where they're dancing. He brings him out and then he makes him tap dance slow, heel to toe, heel to toe. <laughs> and then he just starts doing the more content. And, like, Wilder's pretty moving pretty, you know. Yeah. Well, Wilder was a song and dance band from the back in the day. Yeah, he used to he's, tread the boards, literally. He's cutting it up there and uh, obviously the light bulb goes off and scares the monster and everyone freaks Still out. Still haven't got over his fear of fire. That's right. Oh, and I, we haven't even mentioned the um, police... Constable, what's his name? <laughs> oh, oh, that's going to bug me. The, I can't remember. With the, the man arm, with the robotic arm. With the yeah. arm. And he's got an eye patch and a monocle. And He puts the monocle over <laughs> the, the eye patch. patch. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that's what got him cast. He went into the audition like that. And like, you're in. He didn't even deliver a <laughs> <Yeah>. line. <laughs> like, Give that man he the gets job. It. This guy gets it. He's great and his arm keeps going off. You know, and There's people next to him have to put his arm down. I love the scene when they're playing darts and it's like, you know, oh, yeah. he walks over, grabs the darts, realizes he's not looking, throws them on the 20, goes, and just stands and he's like, okay, nice grouping. <laughs> and then good. the G-Mother starts throwing the darts out the window. Yeah. yeah. And then we get the car at the end with all the darts and the tires. There's one, there's one in the tire, there's one two in the, in the doors, there's one in the driver's seat. And you hear the, the cat as well, don't you hear him yeah. hear the cat at one point? <laughs> the dart. Yeah, that, that's, like, that's a great little scene for like mm. this passive aggressiveness between two Two characters talking about, you know, like, what the hell? That cat, by the way, is Mel Brooks's cameo in this movie. He voices the cat. Ah, yes, yes. Because I think Wilder was said to him, I don't want you to cameo yes. in this film. Yeah. yeah. There was there's two things in the film that Wilder definitely put his foot down for. One is he didn't want Mel Brooks to appear on screen. And the second was the putting on the Ritz scene at the end. Yeah. Mel Brooks so originally didn't want that to be in the movie. And Gene Wilder and he had a fight about it in his apartment for like a solid half an hour. And Gene Wilder has gone red and then he's now purple and he's still screaming and yelling, saying how it has to be in. And then halfway through a sentence, Mel Brooks goes, okay, it's in. Yeah. And Gene Wilder's like, what do you mean? He's gone, well, I wasn't sure about it. And I needed you to be sure about it to make me sure about it. And I knew if you didn't want to fight for it, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's great outlook. Great outlook. (laughs) So yeah, it's a pretty solid film. Like, I mean, like it's like, what I say an hour and 46 minutes and like, geez, if there was a three hour cut, I could love to have seen it. I'd watch a three hour cut of that. I mean, maybe the jokes wouldn't last as long as, 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 well, not the best of the jokes got cut. Well, it's, you know, it's a 42 year old movie now, and that yeah. makes me feel very old because I'm not even 42 yet. Yeah, I mean, and we it should, still holds up today. Yeah, I mean, you should, that's a great point. Like, yeah, 42 year old film mm. that's better than half the nonsense that comes out in cinemas yeah. these days that's made for millions. Mm. You know, that's 10 million, 15 million dollar little comedies, you know, and it's just, Absolutely shits over in my opinion. Like I, I watched this. I've probably seen this over fifteen times, and I still laughed watching it again. Like <laughs> that's pretty good. Like I can't credit that any. Uh, but yeah, great film. Um, I would definitely recommend it from me. Um, obviously, see this film if you haven't seen this. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, we also we make the assumption that we announce the movies the week before, so everyone watches them. So. We try. If if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just even if you're not listening to this, I don't know. How and you haven't watched message. it, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. If you know you're people doing don't life listen, wrong. make them watch the movie. That's right. Um, definitely recommend from me. I absolutely recommend it 100%. I recommend as well with the caveat that you have to be in the mood for it, I think. That kind of humor, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. If you're in a serious, if you're in a bit of a bummer down mood, it's yeah, not, it's not going to work watch, for you. You, no. won't, you won't get through. You want to be in a silly mood. It's kind yeah. of a bit mm. like Ex- that. Accept, accept it with open arms, and you'll love it. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, we'll go forward in time, 1989. Ah, we're going all the way forward. We don't really get out of the like. We no, this was the, this was yeah. the most modern movie that we did. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> we just never get like. I don't know if that's cinema or if it's us. It says something about us. I think no. it says a lot about us. Yeah, probably. Like yeah. it's like I don't listen to music beyond like 1999. That's it. There's not that music doesn't exist for me beyond <laughs> then. Uh, see no evil, hear no evil. Um, directed by Arthur Hiller, who also passed away this year as well. Sadly, yeah. mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after. Um, uh, Gene did. Um, he didn't really had a lot of TV credits, and uh, he did Outrageous Fortune and um, Taking Care of Business. Mm-hmm. Um, they had five writers on this, including Wilder, mm. obviously, yeah. which is always you think, well, that's always bad. But they're all just a bunch of TV credits and stuff. Nothing too exciting in there. Uh, again, runtime hour forty three minutes. Um, stars: We've got Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, Kevin Spacey, one of Kevin Spacey's first films. Yep, yep. Uh, and Joan Severance, um, who plays his counterpart. Uh, plot, pretty simple plot, really. Right? You want to <laughs> swing at it? I mean, pretty the, simple plot. You think this plot, is a simple plot? The plot makes me laugh just thinking about it. You've got <laughs> a, blind, a man. blind guy and a deaf guy that team up, that work together in a yeah, news agency to um, they get framed effectively for the murder of the guy, and mm. they go have, on the run to clear their name. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Which is the whole premise of this movie, Blind Man and Death. And it's deaf funny guy. already. And there's it's a blind so guy and there's a good. deaf guy. I, um, I just want to point out a little bit of trivia, which I didn't know. Um, this is how he met his fourth wife. Yes. That's so that cool. Was- like he went to the hearing, Heart of Hearing Institute or something. Yeah, she, was she taught him how to lip read. Therapist. Yeah, taught him how to lip read. Yeah. And that's how he met his fourth wife. Like, It wasn't like an instant romance there, because at this point no. in time, his third wife was still alive. Yes, yes. Um, Gilda Radner, and she passed away not long after this film came out. That's right, yeah. I mean, just and, credit him having four wives. And, and Well, brilliant. and yeah. method acting as well. He was actually fully able to hear, and he wanted to learn to lip read. Well, it's the same thing. <laughs> Richard Pryor spent uh, two and a half weeks at the Braille Institute of New York yeah. learning to, to we, react with the world as a blind person would. We, we got what he learned from that at the end of the movie, didn't we? <laughs> The brilliance of those two actors <laughs> is so good. And I know it's a Gene Wilder show, but Richard Pryor in this is brilliant. I love Richard um, Pryor. And obviously these guys have done quite a few movies. They did four. It was Silver Streak, Another You, and Stir Crazy. Yep. Stir Crazy, one of my favourites. Um, what a great team up. In terms mm. of comedy duo, got to go down as one of the best. Like so just a perfect fit for each other. And then making one of them blind and one of them deaf is just br- – I'm, I don't know any blind or deaf people, but they must appreciate this film. Like, I don't know, probably not. No, it's probably taking the piss out of them. Yeah, again. but even just this, but like when they do this kind of thing, I think there's a kind of funny truth to it. Like, it's the know, gift that keeps on giving. They, when though. they keep saying to when whenever someone says, <laughs> "Oh no," he points to Richard Price and says, "Oh, he's blind." He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." He's like, no, he's blind, not deaf. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure that happens to blind people. He's all deaf. The time. He's they not will. stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he's deaf, they go. <laughs> They talk really slow. <laughs> He's deaf, not stupid. He can read your lips, you know. Like I imagine that must help be with people with this, like I guess, disability of, you know, having to deal with people mm-hmm. who just don't know how to deal with that kind of thing in the face of it. And they're like, oh. I love the scene in the uh, where we first meet Gene while they're talking to the building manager, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's like, opening up the, the fire agency. inspector. Uh, very dangerous. Uh, yeah. big, <laughs> big fire. You must sweep at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't understand English. Yeah. And Gene looks and goes, you know, there's a terrible rumor that I'm deaf. If you can quash that, I'd be very grateful. <laughs> I love when Richard Pryor comes in um, 
for the interview for the job. <laughs> Such a good scene. <laughs> just like the way he Every- he pays and then he ducks. Like the the it's like a little bit of ballet. The way they sort of he you know he's he, he's the sound. He turns around. He's ducked down. He comes back up. Excuse me, sir. He's got his back to him while he's taking the shelf. And- what is it's it like, you want? Why are you here? Are you serious? Yeah. 200. <laughs> are you no serious? less, man. I have bills to pay. Yeah, I love how like psyched up Richard Pryor gets. <laughs> and then, and it's one of, this is one of my favorite, favorite lines in any movie ever is when he's on the train with his sister <laughs> and she's saying, I know you want to have this job and you want to be a big, you know, proud, strong black man. And he's like, I'm and black. black? <laughs> he's like, does dad know? And he like stands up on the train. He's like, How come you never told me? Why didn't anybody tell me? I'm I'll black. have to tell the guys. I at don't the club. feel black. <laughs> he's like rubbing his lips, and his sister just looks just mortified. Yeah. She's just head down. Like, but oh, but before that, he's sitting there reading the newspaper upside, upside down. down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love about his character is he's urged to fit in and be normal. He's so strong, but at the same time, what's what's not normal about him makes him great. Yeah, like that's why these two characters, I think this movie works so well. Because it could have just been a really crapper movie with two two lesser actors would have made this just a, a mm. shitty idea, shittily executed. Mm. It would have become another eighties shitty buddy comedy movie. Yeah, that but just these went guys nowhere. they take these these characters are real. Like they set them up from the like we talk about setting up a character straight out of the gate. The opening are, scene boom. in this movie is fantastic. I yeah. love it to bits. Like you, you get a heightened diegetic sound, so you hear trucks and cars and all that's slightly louder than the ambient background noise that you regularly hear. Yeah, it's and then really just Jim Wilder stands in the middle of the street and gets honked at and sworn at and. And then, yeah, the favourite character introduction at the start. No, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> hey, you talking to me? No. I love that. Yeah. You talking to me? Fuck you. I know that sound. Come on. Man wants to dance. Um, oh, the, there's so much of that in this film of mistaken. Like, the, the police interrogation scene is is hilarious. Oh, that, that is comedy when I won. Yeah. Uh, even, I like when they start being friends and we're getting kind of a montage of them working together before the whole world unravels and there are criminals on the run. And they go to the bar, um, yeah. and the fight scene is so good, where he's just like, Richard Price has got his fists up like this, and he's like, 12 o'clock. He's like, 11 o'clock. No, other side. Circle left, circle left, circle left, circle left, circle right, circle right, that's right. 11 o'clock. Um, it cracks me up, and then they're talking about how, you know, you don't be afraid, and so all of a sudden you get this wonderful thing where, like, these characters are going to pull the best out of each other, and the ice cream gag is just beautifully written oh, into that film. Like, he just takes the ice cream cone and he puts it on his head <laughs> like a unicorn. And like Richard Pryor just so smugly sits there licking his ice cream. <laughs> and it's just like, these are great characters. I want to see what happens to these characters. I want to see what's going to happen. Like it's it's just brilliant. Um, and then obviously we have um, the crime takes place. A gentleman dumps a valuable coin inside a, the coin box and then he's killed by um, Kevin Spacey and um, – Kurgo and Eve, Eve, I've written down their names as, um, and Richard Price, Wally and Dave, we should say. Um, and then he just remembers the legs. Like, that's mm-hmm. all he remembers. That's all he saw. And he remembers the person. She smells great. She smells great. So together they're almost the whole person. Yeah, <laughs> when they're in the interrogation, the like- interrogation scene. <laughs> Like, talk us to the interrogation uh, scene. It's just... Do you want me to just do it? Because I yeah, know what I've topped my head. If I haven't quoted movies enough at this point in time. Like, I just feel like... How much did they rehearse that? Because it flows so <laughs> well. Like, it's just beautiful. Again, it's like a little bit of po- uh, um, ballet sort of being performed. <laughs> like, oh, it cracks me up. Like, was or wasn't there a woman? Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Fuzzy Wuzzy was, was a, a woman? woman? <laughs> 
Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman? Or the way he says it, like, <laughs> eyebrow raised. <sighs> and then he clearly clicks, like, all right, I got to talk like this guy, like this idiot. Was or wasn't there a woman <laughs> present? <laughs> Yes, yes, there was a woman present. Why is he talking like that? Because he's deaf, <laughs> not stupid. Um, and then they somehow managed to escape, which I guess isn't that far-fetched. Given oh, because people were protesting oh, no, 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 no. the Iraq war, because it was the 80s. And why wouldn't <laughs> before, you protest the Iraq right, war in the 80s? Right. Before I've they escaped, before they escaped, there's the mugshot scene. Oh, <laughs> All right, tell him to look forward. Okay, now tell him Excellent. not to move. Tell him not to move. <laughs> and he kept, he kept having to get him to move his head. <laughs> tell him to not move. And the woman at the end, she's like, shit, 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 shit. shit. Is she saying ship or shit? <laughs> shit. Of course. Because why would she say ship, ship, ship? That makes no sense. That, that actress does such a good job of just like, shit, shit, shit. She just cracks it. She just lost it. Yeah. Get these guys out of here. I'll take a photo when you're sleeping. Is she saying ship? <laughs> um, yeah, and then they escape, obviously, and uh, we progress and the villains realize um, they're, they're after them um, and... Um, You've got the very, very attractive Eve who has a bit of chemistry with uh, Gene Wilder's um, Dave character. For no apparent reason. For no apparent reason, but it just makes for, I guess. Because well, it leads to better jokes. It does lead to better jokes. It does lead to, lead to very track. many better yeah, jokes. Yeah. Um, but you also have Kevin Spacey with his very evil mustache. Yeah, he's so mm. good in this as well. And like for some like, reason, <laughs> he's got like a, like a growth on his face as well. Like yeah, yeah I, I think that's quickly removed because the next movie he makes, it's not there. So. Mm. I don't think it's a prosthetic. I think it was something he had and got taken care of. Probably you saw the movie and went, oh, I'm going to get rid of that. Maybe. Maybe when he shaved the mustache off at the end, he's like, oh, fuck, I'll just get rid of that. Giant Lance Lance's boil. He's great in it all the way through it. The way he deals with these two characters is just so good. Richard Pryor's line when they get caught and he's like, don't I at least get a last request? And he said, like, my note, Gene Wilder said, my nose is itchy. And then Richard Pryor goes, suppose the fuck's out of the question. And she just right. gives him this look like, yeah. uh, yes. yes, yes it is. <laughs> just no shame. He's about to be shot in the head in an alleyway. Yeah, it's brilliant. One last request. And then they're trying to get the right time to punch Kevin Spacey out. And he's like, I want my friend to tell me what the time is. Yeah, what time is oh, it? Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's 11.45. Not yet. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quarter to one. No, you idiot. It's two. Bang. <laughs> And then we have like the escape scene in the police car as well. Where the yeah. he's driving. <laughs> the blind guy's driving. Yeah. He's telling him what to do because they're still handcuffed. Like in modern day cinema, this would be a fucking Adam Sandler, Kevin James movie and it would be terrible. It would be horrible. I would like you to would state for the record, throw if, that, up. if that ever happens, I will come back and kill you for putting yeah. that idea into yeah, the universe. Yeah, even just me projecting that into the universe is bad. But yes. I'm right, aren't I? Like if, mm. if they made something like this now, it would be just the slapstick element of it. There'd be yeah. no subtlety, Without no the, poetry yeah. in it. It would just mm. be this horrible. Because like that's a shitty gag on paper. That's a shitty gag. A blind guy and a deaf guy driving a police car and the blind guy's driving and the deaf guy's trying to navigate him. Yeah. And then the way it ends with they driving a big um, bunch of garbage. Is that what it is? <laughs> I thought you let one go. <laughs> <laughs> like all those gags shouldn't work, but these guys sell you. These guys are selling you shit. Like 
but it's so smart. Like, you but know, at that point of the movie, you've gone through three or four different dramatic scenes as well that they've kind of earned a bit of slapstick screwball yeah. fucking around. Like I said, from the get go, I love these characters. I oh, want to yeah. see what they're. You could have just put them on a fucking rowboat for an hour and a half and I would have watched it. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Just the, the back and forth. Um, they're, they're both trying to row the boat and they're just doing circles because they're both going the wrong way. Is yeah. that what you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, yeah, I can think of ding gags already. Deaf guy's just fucking about. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that'll work. The rest of the film is basically them trying to clear their name and find out the big mastermind behind the coin. Obviously, they, they figure out the coin. Um, which brings me to my favorite gag, which I mentioned to you guys before we started recording, was in, when they're in the hotel where they pretend to be two different uh, doctors, which is just, oh, God, so good. Not the answer, no, I'm from Sweden. I'm from Sweden. <laughs> Richard Pryor pretends to be a Swedish doctor and... German. German, that's right. I'm Dr. Heimsdorf. <laughs> Heimsden? Yes, bless you. <laughs> so good at it. <laughs> um, and then he, they, because they have the whole thing about um, they prior to that, um, we they they need to cause a distraction. His sister, Richard Price's sister, oh, walks yes. up. She's great, and she causes the car accident. And so Kevin Spacey's character comes out, and the woman's left in there. It's the eighties, so she's showering in of there. And, well, we presume the room is empty because he doesn't see anyone in there when he's looking through binoculars yeah. on the top of the tall ladder. Yeah. Which they're holding up. We should mention Richard Pryor and his sister are holding the ladder vertical <laughs> yeah. while Gene Wilder's at the top of it's it so going, can you keep it still? This is hard what? work, you know? <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? But it's just a great visual gag. <laughs> but then I like it when you get in there because you hear the shower and she's like, oh, is that you? And because he's deaf, yeah, he doesn't no hear idea. the shower. Like the whole film is like sort of premedicated on these ideas that, oh, he's deaf so he can't hear stuff and he's blind so he can't see anything. And so he's going through the bag and stuff and he finds the coin and she comes out or she's reaching for her towel and she's got her face in soap <laughs> and he gives her the, the bag, the towel. And, and then she, as he's just about to make his getaway, she comes out and he puts his hand in his trousers and, you know, pokes his finger and says, oh, stop, you know, put your hands up. And, you know, he, she drops the towel and he's like, oh, okay, you know, the tables are kind of turned and it's kind of nice. that, And then that's purely why there was that attraction, as you said, because it's paying off. But I love the way as he's backing out the door, he's like, don't move, you know, like, it's sorry, I'm sorry it's gone this way. And, you know, but, you know, and as he takes his hand out of his pocket, there's still that big bulge there. <laughs> and it's just like a filthy <laughs> erection joke. But it makes me laugh. I cried because I kind of forgot about it because I hadn't watched it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is great. And he's just backing out and she kind of glances down like, what? What, what just happened? Yeah, what, what, what? And then there's a throwback later. It's like, you know, we've had a strange kind of a day. You've had a strange day. <laughs> I held up a naked woman at gunpoint with my penis. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously Kevin Spacey clues in that that's the the the, the um, sister. And then we have our big showdown, which is great. These two idiots. How? Oh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I loved a blind pistol duel. That was the best idea of a movie ever. <laughs> like two guys who cannot see, they can only attack at sound. This is brilliant. <laughs> How much tension's in that scene? Two blind guys just you know, waving guns about wildly. <laughs> They're both trying to be silent so neither of them can hear where they yeah. are. <laughs> so um, good. Before that, we get um, Jim Wilder breaking, um, oh, breaking the into sister the out. House. And he's like, I think we got away with it. She goes, except I was going to tell you about the alarm, <laughs> which is going off furiously in the background. <laughs> There's tons of those uh, moments throughout this entire movie where something happens and the audience experiences it and we know that Jim Wilder hasn't. So we're like, oh, the oh, the alarm's going off. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's just. Uh. That's why I think it's the gift that keeps on giving because you can 
You can just keep reeling those jokes out. And as long as the circumstance changes, it's still funny. Hmm. And that's what they did every time. The joke was always the same, but in a different circumstance. And it was yeah. still funny. And it's the execution that I think makes it so work, having these talented actors mm-hmm. and even their supporting cast respond to the way they react and the way they kind of respond to the jokes makes it even funnier. Like, like uh, yeah, like I'm sure you two were too, but just I'm just laughing the whole way through. Mm. Absolutely hilarious film. Um, and we kind of glossed over a lot of the things like the whole when he has to give the speech as the doctor. <laughs> as a gynecologist. As a, yeah, <laughs> they're going through what they specialise in. Excuse me, Mr. Johansson. Uh, could you be a bit more specific in regards to your paper about uh, geriatric uh, orgasms? <laughs> the look on Richard Pryor's face. Just, well. His uh, eyes bug out. Just what bugs. exercises do you recommend to your patients to achieve this? Well. well. <laughs> a lot of my patients like the walking. Some like the jogging. But most like the fucking. But as he's doing, people in the audience are like furiously oh, yeah, writing yeah, their okay, notepads. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing away, and it just oh, it's hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think. How does what's the last ending on the film? It's um, Gene Wilder's th- holding the knife about to throw it at the guys jumping into the helicopter, and that's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, the gift that uh, keeps on giving. The police arrive in the background. Gene Wilder right. can't hear them, so yeah. he has no idea they're there. That's right. I forgot about that. And he and then, just, yeah, yeah. He stopped the guy running in from the helicopter. He said, that's right. Now turn around and put your hands up. And he does and then, nothing. Then the cop behind him goes, turn around and put your hands up. And he so does, he does. Again, that's an old joke that's used a lot. Oh, it's great. But it just plays so well in this piece. Like, hmm. It's a brilliant film. Um, and then the movie ends and then both putting ice creams on each other's heads. That's right. They mm. double ice cream. Freeze frame. No, we don't freeze frame. We should have freeze framed on ice creams. That's you what love I thought. freeze frame. I, I love we, a good freeze frame. Don't ending. we freeze frame and then fade the black over the credits? Or Not with some cream, 80s though. power synth? There's 80s power synth in there. I don't think we freeze frame. I thought it just faded to black. That's yeah, impossible. It's it might have been freeze frame there. Maybe I didn't pay enough. T- I was laughing so hard. Maybe the viewers can black, You blacked out from laughing. I just blacked out from Maybe laughing. the viewers can write it and tell us which one of us is, yeah. is wrong or right. Yeah. It's it's email in. Um, yeah, for me, recommend. See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Awesome 80s film. I remember seeing this with my dad the first time I saw it, and it was just like this, like, this kind of film encapsulates my dad's sense of humour. So, like, I identify with it on a personal level as well as just enjoying the hell out of it because it's hilarious. Hmm. I definitely recommend it to anyone. Again, I have friends I wouldn't recommend it to because they're very serious Sams and, you know, they probably wouldn't let – this is the kind of thing where you have to check your – sort of check your brain at the door a little bit. I still think it's very smart comedy and stuff like that, but I can see how some people are like, oh, that's a bit silly. Yeah, there'll be some people who go, oh, they're making fun of a blind man oh, or a deaf man. I don't man. think they're oh, making man. fun of anyone, but, I mean, in some ways they are, I guess. But <laughs> I think that's like a little bit of fun, but they took a lot of massive steps to not make fun of blind people or not to just make fun of but a But I also guy. think they do a really good job of shining a spotlight on people who treat people with disabilities differently yeah. and how ludicrous it is. Yeah. It's kind of like in Blazing Saddles when we talk about Blazing Saddles and the racism. Like, we'll talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, me recommend, sorry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no question about recommending this film to everybody. Absolutely. Well, like I said, it's probably one of the best comedy movies ever made as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. nothing, it's an idea that's never been touched on since really, I don't think. Having like a a, a disabled duo that complement each other in their own specific yeah. way. It's like, it's yeah. just a really good idea. The jokes are good. That's the other thing. It's kind of a love story in some way as well. Like the, these two characters sort of. Warm to each other. And, and my favourite thing about this film is because Richard Pryor's in it, it reminds me of um, Eddie Murphy's stand-up 
where he retells the story <laughs> of Bill Cosby calling up Richard Pryor. <laughs> so all day I've been thinking, <laughs> tell him to have a cocoa smile and shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, Richard Pryor is one of the, he's, him and Gene Wilder are just genius. I, I wish the both of them were still alive. Like, imagine the movies they could make now. Like, it would be amazing. Um, all right, let's go back back to 1974 where we previously were. Well, just to link the two, what if we go back to a movie they made before they made Cena Weevil, Hino Weevil? Well, yes, they did make this. Technically, they made this movie together. Yeah. Because um, it was directed by Mel Brooks, 1974, and one of the writers was Richard Pryor. Hmm. Um, and the three other writers were just TV writers. They didn't really have any massive credits. Um, from what I read, Pryor had a big influence on it. Um, he invented the Mongo character and did all his Yeah, his Mongo was basically all Richard Pryor. Like he, he tried to stay away from the black comedy. like the, the Yeah, black, appara- apparently. The black character's comedy because he didn't want to be the black writer. Yeah, but apparently a lot of, um, he said in an interview <laughs> that a lot of the writers would write Stuff that would be touching on races because there's a lot of racist, racial stuff mm. in there. Oh, yeah. They, they would go to him and say, Is this all right? Like, just to check with him because he's black. So they're just like, Is this all right? And he'd be like, Go for it. Do you know what you're going to do? Which is fantastic. <laughs> I, I think um, you've got Cle- Cleveland uh, Little who plays um, Bart. Bart. I should say, I'm lost for a second there. Um, I also read in the thing, apparently one of the, the bad guys had real trouble saying, saying calling him a nigger. Mm. And he was like, you know, oh, you know, I don't feel comfortable saying that word. And he's like, you're not saying that word. Your character is saying that word to my character. You aren't calling character. me a nigger. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, okay. And it was just like, really? Like, All right, like, I can, I can kind of get that. I still don't like it, but I can kind of get it. Yeah. And like in 1974, like that's a bold choice to say it. And I mm. think it's good because it's, the way they use it is like it's used by the bad guys in derogatory terms. It's mm. like again, like I said, it's putting the spotlight on racist people and, and mm. calling out those racisms. And especially in today's modern climate, where everyone is so politically cor- like you know, correct about everything, you do everything. Like I always cite this. I think I talked to you about it, where I was at work and someone got served by another. Uh, a customer came in and got served by one of the other guys, and there was two guys there, and I know it's a. Um, Amy Schumer gag, but I, she, the lady came and said, oh, I was talking to another gentleman. And I said, oh, what do he look like? And she's like, um, he was tall. And I'm like, and there was two tall guys on. One was white and bald and the other one was black. And I said, oh, was he black or white? And she flinched when I said, was he black or white? And I'm like, <laughs> you can't even describe someone now by their skin without people going, woo, 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 I never said that. You know, like, no, well, this is how quickly I can deter them apart. Yep. So you're okay with me saying, was he bald or did he have hair? But I can't say was he white or was he black, you know, mm. like it's weird. Like, no one's short anymore. They're vertically challenged. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it's, I don't was, get it. Was, was he heavily pigmented or unheavily pigmented? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll get to that point. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> Runtime is now at 33 minutes, obviously. Um, obviously, we've got Mad- Madeline Kahn. Brooks is in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Slim Pickens is Taggart, which is awesome. Uh, Gene Wilder plays Jim or the Waco Kid. Well, yeah, Waco we know kid. him. Uh, and Harvey Corman is Hed- Hedley Lamar, who apparently sued Hedley. them. Yes. The real Hedley Lamar sued them. The- there's oh, a, really? There's a joke in the, the movie actress. about Hedley Lamar suing them. Yeah. And she sued them for the joke in the movie about her suing yeah, them. Yeah, using her name. <laughs> it was settled out of court or something like it that. It was. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> plot is basically to upset a small town. The governor appoints a black sheriff just to upset the town because he wants the town's land for his development. So he can build the railway. Yeah. So you can build railway, nice and basic plot. The, the, choo, the choo-choo going to come through. <laughs> and 
Talking about trivia, um, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about race, and yeah, Mel Brooks is an Indian, but everyone's worried about black. Um, turned down by John Wayne, who said, uh, who read the synopsis and said, I could never do this movie, but I'll be the first in line to watch it. Yep. So they ran into Mel Brooks cited in an interview that he ran into John Wayne in the like the Warner Brothers like Lot. yeah the food thing and said oh we're doing this we'd love you to be in it. and it's like wow like turned down by John Wayne that's great what a claim to fame well it's also that at the time of filming the movie was that talked about that like they're making this western and it's a comedy and there's the use of the nigger and there's all this sort of stuff that people kind of wanted to be in it and not want to be in it at the same time. Yeah. Because um, Mel Brooks is even quoted to the day saying that you can't make this movie anymore. No. Like he, no. he could barely make yeah. it in 1974. And there's a lot of controversy about that where people say you couldn't make that anymore. And people say, yeah, you couldn't. I don't think you could. You really no. can't. Like if you look at the backlash Django got about using the word nigger. Yeah. The word nigger is used in Blazing Saddles a hundred times more than it was in Django. Yeah, absolutely. With just the same sort of sentiment as a, a derogatory put down. Yeah. And, you know, people... Or obviously were upset about the use, but they weren't, you know, picketing and riding in the streets about it. That's right. And I think, like, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, I'm a white guy, middle-class white guy, best oh, yeah, we should best be in the house. Three middle-class white guys. We, yeah, we got all this wonderful privilege that we sit upon. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, for me, it's like them saying saying the word is, like, I don't understand why people are afraid to say in a, in the context of a film of a character saying it. Because yes. they're the bad guys. You're supposed to hate them. They're using a derogatory mm. term. And again, it's shining that spotlight on it and it's it's making that word, people who use that word look like idiots. Yes. And so Nowhere that's in a the positive movie is to me. supported the use of that word is good. Yeah. Mm. And I it's as simple as that. People just get so round up. And I, I saw an interview with Mel Brooks and it, must, it was a video one. It must have been like within the last 10 years because he's pretty old in it. And he says he got so many complaints about the use of the, use of the word nigger in the film. He and still he, gets complaints he said to this day. 90% of them from white people. He's like, he goes, I just think a lot of white people have a lot of guilt over it and so well, they feel the complaints about it. I have, I have to it. say, like, when I watched it um, this time for, for preparing for this episode, it actually made me uncomfortable. They say it so much. Yeah. Like, they say it a lot in it, the film. And, it, like, in the first 20 minutes, it's, they must drop it like 20 times. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is like twitching in my chair. Mm. Like, it's just used so heavily that now I just, yeah, I felt uncomfortable. Hearing it that And do you much? think that's part of what the, like, they're trying to do when they're – because they're taking racism, they're dragging it out into the open, and that scares people, man. People mm. are scared to look at their, like, am I racist? Like, because I, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't really care or, like, do I not care or do I care too much or am I politically correct? Like, if I look at something in the br- harsh, bright daylight, you know, but I'm afraid to look at it, does that make me a racist? Like, Well, to steal a line from Avenue Q, the musical, everyone's a little bit racist. Everyone is a little bit racist. Um, I, it's one of the best things about this film, I think, is that um, we we like. I don't know how you call it racist when there's like a strong black character. <laughs> the black man is the hero in this. He's the hero, and he's the best thing about the movie. Like, and and again, I read interview with Wilder saying how they deliberately he deliberately wanted to be the sidekick because it was about they were trying to make a statement, mm. and you know the, the <clears> point of not having you don't want to have a big white guy up the front trying to make a political statement. You know what I mean? Like, and that's clever. That's good. Yeah. But before we get to down on the political correctness. Let's talk about how fucking funny this film is. <laughs> like, it is so good from the get-go. Um, I think uh, the other thing I, I read about was the jokes, how they had to cut back, and you and I were briefly talking about this, and Warner Brothers kept saying there's so many jokes in this, you've got to cut them out, you've got to cut them out. Like, could you imagine how many jokes um, that he had to cut out? Like, and some of the stuff he le- he left in, like. Hmm. Um, but 
he didn't cut anything and he just cut one joke, which I thought was hilarious, which he later revealed was um, as uh, as Lily, who Madeline Kahn plays, is getting intimate with Bart and the lights go down, you just hear their voiceovers and Lily, you know, you hear Lily um, saying, and she's got the really terrible accent. So uh, is it true what they say about you people? Yeah, you people. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> and then Bart says... I hate to ruin it for you, darling, but you're sucking on my elbow. (laughs) That's the one joke he removed. Like, I think it's hilarious, but you know, fair enough. I guess he had to remove something to to calm the PC police down at Warner Brothers. I mean, they must have been shitting themselves in 1974 to be like, "What are you doing? Like, you can't make this film. Like, this is crazy." Well, Brooks had final cut on the movie. He worked that into his contract, and so Warner Brothers could say whatever they wanted, and he'd just like, "Yeah, no, I've got final cut. You're fine." And Bye. this is how uh, Wilder got Young Frankenstein because he agreed to do this, and that was hmm. how they they got the Young Frankenstein together. So it's great. Um, other bits and pieces I read about the theme song, which I love, the Hero a Blazing Oh, it's Saddle. fantastic, isn't it? So they didn't tell the composer that it was a satirical comedy. No, they told him it was a dead straight western, so that he wouldn't write it comically. So it's, you've got like this serious cowboy western song over like the most ludicrous. Uh, I don't think I have his name in my notes, but yeah, Mel Brooks even said when he was talking about it, he's like, "Yeah, I want, I want that guy who does all those famous westerns." He used my name. I don't have it here. I apologize, listening audience. It's like I want that that famous guy, or, you know, someone like that famous. Yeah, guy. obviously yeah. we can't get him because hey, it's a comedy. But yeah. I want someone like him. And he went in the studio on the day of the recording, and it was the guy who does all the westerns. <laughs> and it's 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 pitch serious, which is why it's perfect for this movie. It's like you know, he rode a blazing saddle. <laughs> so the film itself hilarious. Um, so many good gags in this. Oh, the the townspeople crack me up, <laughs> like because they're all so <laughs> terrible and horrible racists. Well, what do you expect from Packer Johnsons, honestly? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like. The old lady cracks me up. Yeah, the old lady's probably the best. <laughs> She's the best. What does she say? Oh, 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 have you ever seen such cruelty? Yeah, so the film starts off obviously with the chain gang and the, the building of the rail railroad, which I think is a great gag with the push cart. Yeah, when they get stuck, in, they the get stuck in the quicksand. <laughs> Bart and his friend get we, stuck in the quicksand. We almost lost us a four hundred dollar hand car. They throw the sand, the rope in and they pull the cart out and they leave they the two, two workers guys in, in there. there. <laughs> and then she just oh we nearly lost a hand cart. And again, um, Little so Little's really good, and apparently um, Wilder worked with him a lot. Yeah, like to teach him because Little is—I can't imagine anyone else playing this role because his looks and reactions, and when he looks at the camera and stuff like that, it's so subtle and beautiful. I have to assume that Wilder must have had a hand in. Uh, yeah, guy Wilder stage helped plays choose Cleveland Little. Yes, yeah, yeah, and then prior the- to that. Pryor was in the running for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until he called Drunken from Chicago, I think it was. He says, I'm in Chicago and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, yeah Apparently that was... Maybe this isn't for you. That was the middle of Pryor's sort of fall from grace, as yeah. it were, with his well, uh, drug problem. I don't think he ever really got off of me. No, so. no, I no. think sadly. Um, um, but before Mel Brooks got involved with the movie, they were looking to release it as a serious sort of Western oh, God. called Black Bart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's not racist. Like, you know, with the, like the hero being played by Sidney Portier. Sidney Portier. Can yeah. you imagine Sidney Portier playing oh, Black Bart in this? God, God, no. <laughs> I can um, guarantee you we would not be talking about it tonight. <laughs> and so then obviously he punches out, and that's what gets him sent to the governor to be hung. I love the, ha- the hangman. He's oh, a classic Mel Brooks character. Hangman. Yes, master. <laughs> you know, he reminds me of the dungeon guy. It might even be the same he's actor. He's got like the duck. It is the same actor. Is it the same actor? Yeah. The same actor reprises the role in History of the World Part 1 and in and, Robin Hood and Robin Hood, yeah. 
Oh, I have to check my appointment book. I'm fully booked. I couldn't possibly fit him in before Monday. <laughs> the guy's on the horse. The horse is getting hungry. This'll be a doozy. <laughs> Clunk. Whoa, it's okay, Tiger. It's just a man on the horse being hung out there. <laughs> I love the when Tiger rocks up. He's got the big bandage around his head. Like that's the thing this film does well. If you're a racist bigot, you're a moron. So like everyone in the film is just like so stupid. And then you've got the governor, um, what's it, William J. William J. Lepetamine. Lepetamine, that's it. Great name, such good names. Do you know where the name comes from? No, no. There was governor. a French performer called Lepetamine who was famous for farting. Oh, really? He used to play tunes and he would breathe through his anus and play songs and play musical instruments and that's wow. where the name comes from. Because I love Mel Brooks doing this role. Like it's just so over the top and he's got his secretary with him. <laughs> his busty secretary is just... <laughs> And then, like, again, uh, to me, that's, again, that's a political statement about the government and, you know, how stupid and how foolish we are, uh, our government operates. And <laughs> even back then, I think he's making those statements. Like, he's taking the piss out of something that's serious well, but that, stupid. Uh, there's a nice little through motif that maybe you can see it in the opening sort of 10 to 20 minutes is that everyone has a boss who is stupider than you. Yeah. Mm. So we start with Cleveland Little. He's a smart black, you know, work, yep. train worker, and he yep. has a, an overworker who's an idiot who has a boss, Taggart, who's an idiot, yeah. who works for Hedley Lamar, yeah, which it? is kind of intelligent but still an idiot, yeah. who works for Lepetamine, who's yeah. an absolute doofus. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone has that sort of level of hierarchy to Absolutely, them. yeah. It's, um, it's great. So they stop him from being hung and they appoint him as, as being the, the sheriff of Little, little <laughs> which Rock. Which leads me to Rockridge. 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 So Rockridge. Which leads me to one of my favourite scenes of welcoming <laughs> the sheriff to the town. And the town, <laughs> town drunks up on the thing with the telescope. He's like... Where is he? He's coming. Strike up the beds. <laughs> Ring out the church bells. And he looks again and he sees him a little bit closer. He's like, the sheriff is in it. <laughs> what did he say? The sheriff is near. <laughs> He's near. No, I said. Oh, dang. Name it. The sheriff is in it. Got the banner. <laughs> the big welcome to town. As a kid, I always thought that banner rolled up by itself. But if you look on the left-hand side of it, a guy reaches over and just... Does the whole? Oh, really? Like, thing oh, I was like, yeah, I always thought that was all like it was a blind. I always Ooh. thought that the town was just re- rejecting him by the rolling up, but no, someone does it, and then he crosses his arms. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, bugger that! And obviously, the town's not fond of having him uh, as the sheriff, no. and uh, he heads into the sheriff's <laughs> office, and that's where we meet. But, well, hang on. He, oh, sorry. Yes, he holds himself hostage that's to right, get away from it because they're all going to shoot him. So he that's puts right. his own gun Undo to his, his head. head. Yeah, I'm crazy. And starts going. <laughs> I'm going to blow his head off. And he's like, he'll do it. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Oh, somebody help that poor man. <laughs> that's just going to get him killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he drags himself off into the sheriff's office. Yeah, and we meet. Uh, that's where we meet Jim Wilder. Kid, drunk uh, number two must yeah, be awake. He, and, that, and that's where we get my favourite line where he finds out he's the Waco kid and he tells about mm. you know, how bad it is to be the Waco kid. You know, every man, every boy wants to make a name for himself coming to try and fight you. And he's like, you know, are you as fast as they say you were? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, look at that. He's like, wow, steady as a steady rock. Steady as a rock. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, this but is I my shooting hand. hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shaking violently. <laughs> I, as a kid, I just thought that was the best gag. I, I think I recycled that thing so many times in primary school. Like, <laughs> I say primary school. I probably shouldn't have watched that when I was like 12, but lo and behold, I did. Yeah, I was the same. Um, and then obviously he d- decides to the two team up and decide to sort of click, cl- help out the town. Um, and then we've got our uh, scene in the bar room where Madeline Khan comes in and she's like, a, I guess, a burlesque dancer. Yeah. Mongo um, comes to town before that, doesn't Does Mongo come? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Mongo. He gets Mongo uh, rocks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They, the governor 
or sorry, Hedley Lamar organizes Mongo, who's a rather large man that rides a bull. Like <laughs> best um, <laughs> entry to town ever. He he punches a horse out. <laughs> That's right, he punches the horse. Doesn't out. punch the rider. He's going. You can't park that thing there, and he just punches the guy's horse. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo. Like, and apparently I think that was all Richard Breyer. That was his big contribution was he pushed forward to this Mongo Stuff character. Stuff that chicken shit. Here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get our Warner Brothers, which I assume they were okay with, with the Disney. Well, it's the Warner Brothers. The it's a Warner Bugs Brothers Bunny movie. Sketch. Yeah, yeah. I assume they're okay with it. Where he's, you know, telegram, telegram for Mr. Mongo. Candy, candy, candy gram. Candy gram for Mongo. Mongo like candy. Yeah, Mongo like <laughs> candy. <laughs> it's so good. It's like just a um, horrible, ludicrous way to deal with it and sort of fourth wall breaking, which obviously leads they into later in the so film. Much. Oh, everyone thinks Deadpool's some kind of pioneer in the fourth yeah. breaking wall, but watch this movie. You know, people are stopping and turning. It's like the every camera. other line of dialogue is delivered to the audience. Yeah, I mean, and as we get to the end of the film, we'll get to, you know, we're breaking down, literally breaking down fourth walls in that, <laughs> yeah. in that the third act. They set fire to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we've skipped over one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's the campfire scene. Oh, God, I keep forgetting about the bad guys. Yes, and then the enrollment scene's now there too, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, qualifications. <laughs> yeah, with the. <laughs> So bad, you know, like um, Ku Klux Klan members in the line. Yeah. <laughs> Qualifications: murder, rape, arson, and rape. You said rape, rape twice. twice. I like rape. Like rape. you'll do. <laughs> I like him. At <laughs> least like I like him. Uh, and yes, the campfire scene. Sorry, run us through the campfire because that is hilarious. Well, it is. It's moment. It's not momentary. It's momentous because it's the first time you hear a recorded fart on movie. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the first That's time true. a fart appears in a movie. That. And it happens to last for about a minute and a half. There's, there's about 48 of them <laughs> that yeah. appear on a movie. And that scene came from the, the writer's room going, well, these guys, they ate beans, they drank black coffee, they did not much else. That's got to affect your system somehow, <laughs> yeah. right? You, yeah, you're going to be gaseous. So Mel held uh, auditions <laughs> for sound, like, you know, Foley artists to come in and use soap on their hands and their armpits and stuff to make the fart noises. So oh, it's, really? It's, it's mostly people from oh. the Warner Brothers movie like making the fart sounds with their hands and their armpits and... Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think what's, what's his line when he comes out of the tent? You want some beans, Taggart? <laughs> yeah. No, neither are you. You've had enough. <laughs> Taggart is so underrated as a villain. Like, uh, <laughs> just thinking about it with the bandies tied around his head cracks me up. <laughs> like when he walks into the office, he takes his hat off. Like a slanty bandage. Hit um, him in the head with a shovel. <laughs> he hit me with a shovel. Um, they all overplay it, and they overplay mm. it brilliantly. Like every uh, – there's not – like – Everyone's sort of just chomping scenery and just overplaying as much as they can. Even like Bart and 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 Dave, are, or the Waco Kid, sorry, are, are, um, you know, just overacting, but doing it with brilliance and style. And um, obviously, they set up a a plan to so Headley and that decide we're going to raise up a. a oh, we, oh, I've crossed over Harumph as well. I forgot about Harumph. That's oh, one of my Harumph. favorite scenes. Harumph, harumph, and they just, everyone's all harumph, harumph, harumph. <laughs> I I'm didn't sure get a harumph out of that stole. guy. Give South the Park definitely harumph. stole that, right? South Park stole that. Um, yeah, South the Park harumph, stole harumph. that. Yeah, yeah. But actually came out of a meeting with Mel Brooks. I, I seem to know every fun fact about this movie. Um, no, but, good, go. Um, Mel Brooks wanted these extras to sound like they were talking during the background scenes in the church earlier on, and no one could know what to say. He's like, just say harumph, just 
Just speak. Just say harumph. So you can actually apparently hear the audio of someone saying, say harumph in the church scene. Yeah. And that's why it got made into the, the governor's scene because he's like, I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> Give the governor a harumph. Harumph. You watch your ass. <laughs> I just really want to watch these movies again. Um, <laughs> you did it the first time? Yeah. You should have. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so yeah, obviously they decide to get a big gang together and they're going to go into town and they're going to hoop and they're going to holler. I love the way he, like he oh, sells it. Wow, whoop. Yeah, like the way he sells it. It's so take, exciting. Take this down. We're going to get every. <laughs> and he's looking for his notepad. He's looking Murders, everywhere. Buggerers, thuggerers, arsonists, rapists, neophytes, and arsonists. This happens a lot with this movie. Like, there's a lot going on on the screen. You've really got to pay attention. Um, there's one joke going on here, but in the background, there's probably a joke going on as well. Like it's it's so subtle and so effective. Send a wire to the main office and tell him I said ow. <laughs> Send a wire, man. Tell him I said ow. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, there's a few more scenes, but we should probably talk about the third act of the mm. sort of hmm. final finale of the film when it gets serious and the army is approaching the the town of Rockridge to <laughs> yeah. completely wipe it off the map. Yes, yeah, the army and they've got the fake. Um, the toll booth. The fake toll, oh, toll booth. Someone yeah. go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> so ludicrous. It's in the middle of nowhere. But like, there's no you've fence. Got this horrible villain who's like a racist and a murderer and a rapist. And he's going to go back and get dimes. Like, it's so ludicrous. And that's what this film does. Like, I didn't realize it until I watched it again for this. It builds the ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Which obviously makes sense because when we get to the end we of the cre- film, we, we crescendo we with ludicrousness. The ludicrous dam and ludicrous spills over everything. Um, but so, and I, and I didn't notice that until I watched it. And, and does it slowly builds it? Like hmm. you start with the Mongo stuff and then the stuff with the governor and that, and it gets worse and worse and worse. To yeah, the <laughs> toll booth. I forgot about that. That's so good. <laughs> and they go into town hooping and hollering. You get some good stunts out of this for what's meant mm. to be a comedy. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know, like, uh, how well they train horses and stuff to take a dive. And yeah, that. I think they probably, they would have got in some trouble with the Humane Society I guess, for this 1970s, they probably did I didn't notice at the end of the credits no animals were filmed during well, the making yeah, of this punches film, a horse so. out, you know. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of horses falling over. Yeah. and Yeah, explosions and apart horses. Apart from that wooden horse we see get tipped over oh, by that Mongo. <laughs> That's so <good>. <laughs> <laughs> Um. I'm just trying to think how it breaks the wall. Oh, it, um, you start with a, a crane shot really close up on two men right. fighting in yeah. the street and it pans back a bit. You see a bit more fighting, a bit more yeah. of the general building and the, the crane shot keeps coming, panning back and panning back and then all of a sudden you realise you're on a movie set in 1984 and everything's happening around and then the, the camera just pans and goes towards a completely different building altogether and zooms in on that <laughs> and then we cut to Dom DeLuise directing a gay musical. Yeah, um, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's, it is. <laughs> He's no cut. He yeah. comes running in to show him how to Watch do it. me. Oh, faggots. He's so good to what, Play what, back. What is the Watch me, faggots. Hold up your hands. Stick out your tush. Hands on your hips. Give it a push. Don't be surprised you're doing the French mistake. Voila. Steps in the pool. If you haven't watched this film, just for Dom DeLuise doing that, is reason alone. The way he. He just, for a, for a large portly man, he moves brilliantly. He's gliding. Oh, man, that cracks me up. I, I think I read something that was meant to be someone else. He was trying to get some other famous director, but they wouldn't do it. And like Dom DeLuise was like, yeah, I'll do it. And like, he's all right, great, you're in. 
Uh, and then the fighting obviously spreads on. Yeah, to do that. They, they literally break a through the wall, scenery through the, and, yeah. the, the wall to the next scene. And then you've got all these men in their um, top hats and stuff fighting. Tails. And, uh, like, Come on, lady. Yeah, yeah. Billy, let's get them, girls. Yeah, like they really play into the stereotypes, <laughs> don't they? One of them turns around and jumps in the water. Like it's so good. But one of the things I like about that, again, it, it turns the stereotype on its head. You, you expect these gruff cowboys <laughs> to be beating the living snot out of these, uh, yeah, these gay men. But yeah. usually it ends up either hugging or a, gay, a cowboy hugging the gay guy, or they, literally one of them is walks off and goes, yeah, so my car is on the other side. Yeah, and they're arm in arm. And it's like, yeah, again, for 1974, like I can't imagine there was a lot of gay actors or gay characters on movies and stuff. And yeah, here they well, are. If they like, were, they were probably closet, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. and so here you've got open open men being gay. Like it's gone yeah. from one extreme to the other. Again, it's all about that putting that spotlight on something and saying, hey, look, this is ridiculous. Like if you don't like someone because of the colour of their skin or the sexual orientation of them, that's ridiculous to form an opinion yeah. on it. This is how ridiculous it can get. I'll push it to that extreme. And Mel and Brooks, pioneer, man. A little bit meta on that scene as well. Apparently that scene's Mel Brooks thumbing his nose to Warner Brothers for trying to interfere with his movie. That's where they oh. get the line, you can't come in here, this is a closed set. Then Taki goes, fuck you, I work for Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to punch him and it's, not in the face. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, all the way just thank you. Thank you. Don't tell the ways, man. There's another one we should do an episode on. Oh, oh cannonball. Genius. Cannonball. Oh, man. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Uh, we could just do it on 80s, 70s and 80s comedies. Um, yeah, and then the, the fight spills out onto the, the greater Warner Brothers lot, yes, the including the, uh, the food area. <laughs> yeah, the uh, And Hitler makes his second turn up in one of Mel Brooks' movies, just eating luncheon. He's like, so when are you done with that scene? I'm done after the bunker. They're done with me after the bunker scene. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, as all slapstick movies should do, it goes to a pie fight. Mm. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Get to pies with a great yeah. pie fight here. <laughs> pies, and then we because that's when Hedy head, head, head heads off into the cinema. He's, he's coming lead, out sorry. of the, the bathroom as he yeah. sees the fight and he he's, tries to duck yeah, back he's in. All just like, yeah. And then he comes out with a pie in his face. <laughs> and I think apparently, if you look in the when he goes to the theater and comes out, there's a poster for Black. Black Bart Black and Bart stuff like that wall. as a yep. movie. Yeah, up on the wall. Um, I also have another bit of trivia about that that cinema. They still have the plastic cows from the movie where Simbri walks really? in. Really? Yeah. They're still on display in the Chinese theater. Wow, that's um, so cool. That was a part of the deal. Apparently, they struck for being able to film at the Chinese theater. Wow. Because they get to keep the props. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's cool. Hmm. Um, and then, obviously, the movie gets sillier and sillier. Um, <laughs> well, you, you end up with Hedley Lamar watching... Sheriff Bart run into the cinema that he's watching the movie in. That's right. And he spits yeah. his raisinets out. And you get, you get yeah, he stops at the candy bar. I forgot about that. This film just breaking oh, the fourth wall. He pulls effort. out the student card. He tries student, to get student, nice try, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many like just pearls in this film. It's so funny. Like I'm just like I just can't get over how good how good a film it was. And then it like, cuts back to the western, and, and you know they're all saying goodbye and. Well, that's on their way, and then we get our. Uh, we, that's when we get our big title theme and Bart as well. Catches up to the Waco kid, and he's yeah. got a little popcorn container still in his hands. <laughs> Brilliant film. Um, and they ride off into the sunset and get into a limo and drive away. That's right, into the limo. Yeah, they, pull, <laughs> they get the horse and the costume designers, and there's someone with an umbrella, and yeah, um, just to be like "fuck you," I guess at the end. Um, obviously, I recommend this film. I think we'd all. How could you not recommend this film? Like, this film? this, this is, Another little tidbit about this film that I like. This film comes with a presidential recommendation. 
When oh yeah, Barack when Obama loves Mel Brooks this. Was uh, honoring uh, Mel Brooks was being honored by uh, I think it's the Jefferson Institute or the Kennedy Institute. Yeah, one of the big ones. Um, Obama said that he saw this film as a thirteen-year-old boy, and it influenced him to say that black man can do anything in this world. And so look at me now, I'm president. So, yeah. You, know, you kind of thanked Mel Brooks for that way. I saw that and Mel Brooks said, how did you get into the yeah. cinema? You're how underage. How did you get into the cinema? Like, yeah, and he I, said, I had a fake ID. I had a fake ID, but the statute of limitations is gone. He's done on that. <laughs> That's a cool president. Uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there is no all, other answer. three films yes. of these. Uh, least. I often think people who haven't seen this film, do they just look at it and think it's a real serious Western and, and like, are they just missing out? I, I they hope so. at the DVD cover going, yeah, I don't like Westerns. There's this scene that I get from The Simpsons. You, you can probably know the one when I start talking about it where Homer's like, paint your wagon. Hopefully it's with blood. <laughs> and he takes it home and it's a musical. And it's like, gonna paint a wagon, gonna paint it fine. Gonna use an oil-based paint because the wood is pine. It's like, that's what I want from people. I want people to think this is a real Western and take it home and realize that it's a comedy. The naked lunch. I can think of at least two things wrong with that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Misleading. No, that's not where I was going at all. Um, Yeah, I I think people should just watch it. If you don't know anyone who hasn't seen it, send it to them, buy them as a Christmas present. Christmas is just around the corner. It's such a good film to watch by yourself or in a big group of people. I think if you were born post 2000, you probably shouldn't watch it though because you're not going to get it. You reckon the jokes are going to be... It just won't, yeah. There's a a couple of jokes that die off, like uh, Randolph Scott, for instance, like, Mm. you know, the the townsfolk say they they don't want him to leave and he's like, you do it for Randolph Scott. Yep. Like yeah. I, as a kid, I didn't get that reference. And when I rewatched, I'm like, who is Randall Scott? And he's a, a Western guy from the, the 30s and the 20s yeah, who right. was always the hero on the white horse with the white hat and who saved the day. So yeah. that's what they're playing fun at. And same thing with Howard Johnson's mm-hmm. ice cream parlor. That doesn't yeah. exist anymore with his one flavor. I, I think it's definitely where you're going to have to leave, leave your cynicism at the door. Hmm. But we, we talk about this, we've talked about this before on the show with movies like Goonies and you know, would would those movies exist now? Like, do younger kids have the imagination to check check their cynicism at the door or check their brains and just have a good fun? Like, you know, those family adventure type movies, like such as Goonies, I think is probably one of the classic examples of Labyrinth and stuff. Like, I don't know if you make them now. I think are kids too sophisticated now? They understand how movies work. We have the internet. Like, I hate to sound like an old man, but when I was young. There was no internet, so when movies came out, you saw the Wait, trailer. Did you have color TV when you were a child? Yeah, dinosaurs roamed the <laughs> earth. Um, I had a shower, which was a woolly mammoth. You'd wake up early in the morning and ride your bike through the snow <laughs> yeah. to get to the. My cinema. little little bird on the stone would chip away as my alarm. <laughs> but Mo- movie night was Dad pulling out the old Super Eight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think, yeah, these kind of movies. It's a shame that this kind of stuff doesn't seem to have. A place anymore in cinema. Well, I think the closest you'd get nowadays is like a million ways to die in the West. Like that's probably yeah. this generation's Blazing Saddles. It's a a crass comedy with but it, the bad guys a bad guy. I, but it's, I liked a million ways to die in the West, but it's, it's nowhere near the smarts. That no, 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 the no, Blazing no, Saddles no, 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 no. I'm not saying it is, but that's um, probably the closest parable you'd get today. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess it ties back to our theme about Gene Wilder. Is it the performers that are making this film, or is it the you know, is it the artist? Is it the it's time definitely period? A, it's it definitely a, a combination of those. Because like I say, I don't think this movie is viewable by younger generations. I just don't think they will be able to stomach the dialogue. Yeah. I don't think they'll get the jokes. And it's just cinema has moved on from that, that point now. It's different yeah, it's now. it's kind of a time and sort of 
Yeah. A footnote in history. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, it, it could probably apply to all three of these films, to be honest. Almost, but, yeah. Um, but that one in particular, just because they did go out um, very deliberately to um, to shine a spotlight on the ridiculousness of racism and homophobia and all that sort of stuff, I think we've we've experienced it before with modern movies where people get into outrage about things before they've even seen it. This mm. would just be torn to shreds. Yeah, I mean, we live um, in a world now where people are offended just on a daily basis by everything. Well, I'm even, offended. Even if you're not offended, you're I'm offended by the by fact it. you think I get easily offended. Things. Exactly right. I'm outraged by this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a scathing Facebook post. That's it. You're done. It's yes, wait till I finish warrior. my blog. It's just unfortunately <laughs> the world now where people. I don't know. I guess people aren't as open minded as they could be about seeing another person's side of an argument and. Mm. You know, we have these beliefs. And, and look, people are raised now to think that if you have an opinion, you're right because you can, you've can. you got a voice now, you've got a platform to or, do your opinion. Or the first opinion you hear or a view you hear on something is the correct one forever. And yeah. And, 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 yeah, like I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm always open to trying to hear someone else's viewpoint. I might disagree with them and think they're a moron or a racist bigot or whatever, um, but I'll always – I'll always listen to someone else's point of view and I guess that applies to movies as well, being open-minded to different types. Like I watch movies I'm probably not going to enjoy and then I've certainly seen ones that I thought I was going to think were rubbish and watch them and yeah. that's happened to me so many times where I thought that movie looks rubbish and then like 10 years later I watch it I'm like, jeez, I should have watched that 10 years ago. This is a great film, you know. Well, it happens a lot. Like you go and see some of the modern you know, romantic comedies nowadays where the girl gets the guy and all that sort of stuff but there's clearly the jokes for the guys in there as well. So they're smartening up and knowing they've got to write for everyone, not just for one particular section of the audience. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But getting I, back to your original statement five minutes ago, was uh, was Gene Wilder really good at his job? The answer is yes. Mm. Yeah, very um, good at his job. I think these three movies Do we have anyone even like him, I guess, in terms of... The only other... like I, I've had to think about it. The only person I can think is such a clever writer and is largely popular and working was probably maybe Aaron Sorkin or something yeah, like that. that. But he's a little bit more intellectual than slapstick. Like, yeah, hmm. yeah. I think that's what Wilder does best is he walks in both worlds comfortably. Mm. He can do crappy, terrible toilet humour, but he can wrap it in a witty remark or a comment on society or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he can land the dramatic part and still do the pratfall at the same mm. time. Yeah. Some, some of my favourite moments in um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil are the really subtle jokes where you know he busts it on the um, doctor's conference and they say, who are you? And he goes, fine, thank you. And yeah. like, it's just a really subtle, quick it's joke. Over completely. Yeah. And they're, they're all my favourites. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, look, uh, look, he's definitely an artist. Like, it's, you look at his work, he sort of, you know, sort of started to stop doing movies and around 1999 and then I think his last thing was we said, Yo Gabba Gabri did a voice on there. Well, he, he got old, as everyone does, at that sort of time of his life. And I believe he started to get Alzheimer's as well, so that affected his work later on in his, his later years. Yeah, and he certainly seems like a very private man who was very picky in what he did. And, mm. I mean, four wives, well done. Yeah, well, I mean, mm. he started acting late in his life, I would say. Like, his first film, he would have been into his 30s. Yeah, so he was already in his 30s. Yeah. Um, it's late to get in the game, isn't it? And then he, like, he pretty game. much did one a year for 30 years. Something like that. Thing. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen him in Death of Salesman. That's definitely one I want to check out. Hmm. Um, I think one of his earliest film roles was The Producers, wasn't it? Yeah, Leo Mel Brooks. Yeah, that was one of his first films. Because um, yeah. uh, Gene Wilder worked with Mel Brooks's wife on a play and um, that's what? how they, they sort of got together. And yeah, He's done a lot of play you know, stage work hmm. as well. Um, 
Yeah, the producer is another one I thought we almost considered we should do, but that's another movie to check out as well. If he's, if you're into his work, or you've never even heard of Gene Wild, Gene Wilder, um, you know the three movies we talked about are probably three of his greatest. Hmm. Definitely worth checking out. But he's got tons of other good movies that, that you can enjoy for different. Stir Stir Crazy is one of my favourites. Like uh, that chemistry those two have is so good. But I'd, I'd probably see no evil, hear no evil. Yeah, of the the Richard Pryor Gene Wilder matchups, see no evil, hear no evil is my favourite. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gene Wilder even sat on the set of Stir Crazy when he and Richard Pryor were in that big uh, fight scene in the jail where there's the riot. <laughs> they just both did the same kind of double take turn at the same time and he's like, did you do that on purpose? And Richard's like, oh, I just felt like something I should do and they just clicked from day one. Yeah. So he just knew that at that point in time, like you, it's when you kind of meet that person who really compliments your, yeah. your style. And I your mean, it, oh God, that's why I say, I wish they were around later and like made movies in the 80s and 90s, like comedy movies. They would have been brilliant. Well, I, I don't think we've thrown it around yet, but this clearly was a golden age of comedy for, oh, for these, yeah. these guys in particular. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. And obviously Mel Brooks gets a special mention too. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> that that reminds me, re- we really need to do a Mel Brooks episode just so I can watch Spaceballs again. And Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes, and tight History tights. of the World. Tights and History of the World, yeah. There's our three episodes. There you go, done, locked away. Can I come back for that one? Yeah, you can do Mel Brooks. Lock yourself in. It'll just be lots of us laughing again because we'll just be reminiscing. I think that was pretty much 90% of this episode was us (laughs) hysterically laughing. You know it's a good movie when you can be talking about it with friends and start being like, I want to watch that again. Like, I just, I want to watch that again. I can't even finish the quote. I'm too busy laughing. Yeah. Well, that's it. That was our Gene Wilder sort of tribute to episode. Mm, our um, bow. Mm-hmm. Our bow to the great man. Yeah, passed away this year, earlier this year. Before we uh, we went away, I know you guys are trying to get some viewer uh, feedback in and have people ask you some yes, questions and please. things like that. So what's, I what, have what's here going on? Uh, on my little device questions without notice. Oh, dear. I what's have some questions, questions for notice? you. I have some questions for you that you obviously don't know about given the scared look yes, on Shane's good, face right now. good. Um, Bear in mind, I'm I have all editing rights. Oh, of course, absolutely. <laughs> if, this, if this makes the final cut, I'll be surprised. Um, Just over six inches. No, wait, go. <laughs> Five and a half. You hope. Fine. Why don't we do that in metric? All right, that's, 200. That's one thing I've never understood. 200 sounds way better than just over six inches. Why don't we, why 500 don't we millimeters? Mils. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Can, I, can I measure in microns? <laughs> Nine million. Anywho. Questions, um, go. We love so, questions. Question first. Uh, what are your opinions on the current trend in movie cinemas upgrading the quality of the seats as versus just reducing their prices? Oh, great question. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you've, you, don't, you want to hear me talk about this. I think, I think you look like you want some I'm, thinking time. No, I'm, yeah, don't get me started on commercial cinemas. I th- I'm just going to take this one. Actually, like, spend some time getting your projectors aligned and in focus and maybe upgrade your sound system once in a while so I don't have to sit in a theatre with blown speakers. Like, seriously, well, I can't I... remember the last time I went to a theatre, paid money and enjoyed myself, so I just don't bother anymore. This is where I'll I say that come out on uh, Netflix or... I used to be a movie projectionist mm. and I worked in the good old days of actual film. Get out of here. Um, not just a USB stick. Not just a USB stick, no. So and back in those days, the guys who, who did it cared. Like, they mm. actually honestly cared about producing the best thing possible. Um, and that's one of the reasons I got out of it, actually, because I, I dropped a film and I just didn't care. To be fair, it was What Happens in Vegas, um, which enough. if you've seen What Happens in Vegas, you can understand why I didn't care about dropping it. But yeah, I, I got out because I just didn't think that I had the passion for it anymore. Um, but yeah, a guy I work with still was there at the, the day cinema died, basically, when it became all digital and yeah. 
Well, I'll, I'll give the you the day a- I go to the cinema and I see the DVD menu load up, then I'll be really, I'll be really depressed because <laughs> I'll know trouble. that we've transferred to digital projectors with the DVD slot. In them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I um, I had an experience at the at the theater once, you know, commercial cinema, and I can't remember the movie now specifically. I remember it being a big fuss at the time. It was a drug trafficking movie. Bridge to Terabithia. No, it wasn't that. Okay. It was lo- older than that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but and not related to that in any way. No, the, the problem was that they had a problem projecting the film and it stopped briefly about 10 minutes in mm-hmm. and then we waited for another 10 minutes and then it started again and five minutes of the movie had passed that they didn't show us. Mm-hmm. And they just weren't going back. <laughs> and there was no anything. It was just like, oh, it cocked up. Nothing's fixed here. Yeah. Like, if you can't get it back to the right point, go back to the start. We weren't that far in. And to make it worse, it was a shit friggin' movie that what was, was so... I can't fucking remember. It wasn't what happens in Vegas, out of curiosity. No, it was, it was <laughs> like, it would have been mid to late 90s drug trafficking film. It might have actually been called Traffic. It could have been Traffic. Could have been Traffic. Friggin' shit movie. I really hated it. And it pissed me off because the, the cinema just didn't care. Like, Nobody cared. You fucked up. You didn't offer us our money back. You didn't even play the film properly. Like, how little can you care? Hmm. They shit me. Commercial cinemas can all go broke as far as I'm concerned. I <laughs> like going to the movies still, but I am not in the same vein as Mark. There's other things that are driving me nuts. Yeah, look, it's, they're getting lazier with sound and, and picture, absolutely. Because I've been in a few things where it's like out of focus and they just mm. like nobody cares. The person comes in, does their check, and the focus still doesn't get corrected. One of us has to go up and tell them, hey, it's out of focus. Um, why are you doing a cinema check if you're not checking that? But I love the upgraded cinemas. I love the idea that they're still like I can go to one chain over another where it's still 20 bucks for a ticket. I love the new upgraded seats because, A, if I'm sitting next to a stranger, I don't have to fight for elbow space. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, when I go to the movies, I, like, I would rather go to the movies alone. When I go with people, I usually sit a couple seats away from, which upsets a lot of my friends. I like seeing a movie, immersing myself in the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and having those cheats. And then recliner's nice too. Probably not as I'm getting older. It's probably not a great idea for me to be more comfortable. <laughs> but they're electric the now, so. But yeah, but like I just with me falling asleep is my concern. Yeah. If I'm really comfortable and it's really warm in there and I've just like eaten eight kilos worth of popcorn. Um, I, I definitely like it, but it's getting, the thing that I don't like is the people in the cinemas. That's what's upsetting me hmm. is the people seem to be getting lazy. Like I won't see like um, when a movie comes out, I won't go and see it. I used to go and see movies the night they came out. Now I wait until like I've got a free Monday and I'll go 10 a.m. in the morning hmm. because I don't want to have kids predominantly and other people but predominantly young kids on their phones. Like I've been in cinemas where people have oh, their shit's phone. Me at the wall. Drives me at the wall. I, I, I'm, I've had people sit in front of me and I've said – like I'm not afraid. Like I'll I'll give people like maybe two strikes, and then when you strike out in the third strike, put your phone away, or I'm going to cut your head off. Like yeah, like I don't like it. And and then unfortunately the cheaper cinema tickets do, and even not cheaper. Like I've been to some of the cinemas where it's like the good cinema, and it's twenty seven dollars because it's on a Saturday and it's in three D. Yeah, it's after and six o'clock on a Saturday in VMAX in three D, and so people are still chatting away like. It's like you paid nearly 30 bucks for this experience. What are you doing? Like, what? just go outside. If you're not digging the movie, leave. Nearly 30 bucks. Normally you take a date, so that's now 50 bucks. Yeah, if like, you get concession popcorn, like, that's another people, 25. Like, imagine you with your two kids and your, and your wife. I said that really weirdly, like we don't know them. I, I don't have to imagine it. Like, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, doesn't have to imagine like, his kids I mean, and his wife. It's 100, it's 100 bucks a pop to go, yeah. to, the, to go to the movies, yeah. And mm. that's like, what, 
without popcorn and drinks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's Jesus That's Christ. like me smuggling cheeseburgers in my crotch. Yeah. yeah. yeah Everyone which, loves a ch- crotch cheeseburger. Well, I yeah. remember in high school, I'd get like 20 bucks and you'd get the bus, like you'd cut school, sorry, dad. You'd cut school, you'd go to the local thing, you'd get a movie ticket and a, a McDonald's large meal and a couple of bucks of video games and that was the 20 bucks. Yeah, oh yeah, money used to go, I mean, I remember Frankston Cinemas where I grew up, oh, um, if any fans are out there stalking, I grew up in Frankston. I'd oh, that explains a bit. P.S. I'd love to be stalked by a friend, that would be great. Um, and it was like, yeah, it was 10 bucks for a movie, it was like $10.20, I think, and um, people respected the movies and like. I used to go on Saturday mornings when it was five bucks. Yeah, hmm. I had, I'd go every Does week. Does Tuesday my mate. still exist? I um, think it's still no, ex- no. Village just abolished general tight ass Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but if you're a Village movie member, you get like three dollars off. Yeah, I mean that's always good. Like I think with Telstra, I get extra cheap tickets and stuff. Yeah, sorry, I'm not promoting Telstra. Boo. I hate you, Telstra Boo. Well, we're, we're, not, we're not pushing Village over Hoyts or anything here, but no, one thing that's I'm, annoying me at the moment is the, the Chadstons just had their renovation mm. and they've kind of got rid of the candy bar and put in like a candy supermarket. Like you oh, walk around and- yeah, very American. They do the same thing at Eastland. You get yeah. your own popcorn, you get your own drink, yeah. you get your own chock top, you get your yeah, own bag of lollies. Down stuff. And there's just a register at the end where you just yeah. go, yeah, that'll be eighteen ninety five or $225. That'll be you uh, that's, that's the blood funny. of your firstborn child. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the firstborn child of every household. So to answer your question, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing, but it's also like you've got other problems. You should yeah, I, I think I went on a tangent a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think we rage. have a vote in both camps that you kind of want the tickets to be cheaper and you don't. You just want them to care more. Well, yeah, if I, I'm paying I, that much, I want better I, experience. I get that their patronage is down because yeah, people because are down pirating and whatever, stuff, yeah. but... Get the basics right first. Yeah, but but Fuck rising sake. or the rising prices of cinema isn't stopping pirating, particularly in Australia. No, no, no. Well, Australia. It, it feeds the problem because it becomes unaffordable to go. Yeah. But then when you do actually fork out the money and go, the experience is shitty. You know, four or five years ago, I would see everything that came out. I would go and see everything. Like I saw Mona Lisa smile in the cinemas. That's you how dedicated I was. I absolutely did. Get I out! Did. I saw it in the cinemas. There's something wrong with you. No, I was working at the cinemas at the time, so it was a free ticket. But that, that's still, I went and saw <laughs> yeah, it. You went and saw Mona Lisa smile. Yeah. Oh, it's probably one of the hardest no. movies to jerk off to. <laughs> in a full cinema, you know, it's the movie's about empowering women. You know, it just did it for me. Only no, outshadowed by what the piano? Yeah, I would see. Um, I would see everything, but I, imagine I did that now. A, there's so much more rubbish in cinemas than there used to be. There is. There really is. There's, the, you know, they'll push anything out and, and they can. Um, and B, the prices are so ridiculous. But hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I don't. Can you rest. imagine going to see Step Up 3D and paying forty dollars to go and see it? Yeah, I know. I well, I don't have to. Imagine, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm living it. Uh, did you have another question? Or I had another. Qu- I've oh, got great. a little bit here. I've got a, a few little oh, okay. things. We should probably tighten up our answers then. Yeah, we should. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's up to the editing. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, who, in your opinion, is the best James Bond, and why? Ooh. Uh, if I can't have Daniel Craig anymore, because I think he, I think he's he's at the end. Yeah, I think, I he's, think he's he said no. I think to he's the, done. He said no um, to the next one. Have they announced the new Bond? Not yet. That um, may be a question coming up soon. Yeah. Um, But no, (laughs) I I really like Daniel Craig as Bond. Um, So if I can't have him, probably Roger Moore. I'd go Craig. Craig would be my favourite. Or Connery alternate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're both wrong. There was a correct answer, which was Connery. Um, So negative two points. Apparently this is a quiz now. Hang on. Um, Shane said Connery. As a backup, yeah, he I'd said, take Craig over Connery. As an ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. Connery was his sloppy seconds. Yeah. That's, so you, that's so not you're a, not a fan of Daniel Craig as Bond? I like what they did with Daniel Craig as Bond, uh, with the exception of the second and the fourth movies, respectively. 
Um, the second movie was just terrible, and the fourth movie was produced way too quickly, and they didn't have a plot before they started filming, which is always a bad way to Often go. Often the problem with a lot of Bond films. Yeah, they, they film the trailer and get the trailer out there and hope that yeah. generates enough yeah. buzz. So, but, yeah. but actually, um, as a as a performance, as a performance, as a, as a, I think as a well-rounded character, Casino Royale and Skyfall are fantastic movies yeah. as a yeah, to round out the character. Mm. But his Bond doesn't work with the older Bonds. The so it's, yeah. it's, it's a new... It's a reboot. It's a reboot yeah. of Bond as versus following along from the old 80s, yeah. now is the time to die kind of Bonds. So yeah, yeah Connery's still the, the man for me, I'm afraid. Fair enough. Uh, that leads to my, my third question. Who would be the next Bond? I dig the Idris Elba rumour. I'm all for that. He, I just watched that Bastille Day, mm-hmm. which is a under-the-radar... He's and he's just bonding that basically, so he'd be perfect. I like Idris Elba. Okay, um, nice quick answer. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> you're being cut off. Um, I don't know. I I don't even know if I could narrow it down to a a field. I probably don't know enough good current actors off the top of my head to be honest. Hmm. Um, as well, our listeners well know, we spend our lives living in the eighties and nineties on this show. That's true. That's very very true. <laughs> Um, well, let's see if you can narrow it down to an age group because Daniel Craig was sort of old enough to be a young Bond, mm. but then as he got on, they made him the old Bond within mm. this period of about three movies. So would you go for another old Bond playing an old character in a new century or would you go for a young Bond for a young? I can generation? see the wheels turning. He's thinking, oh, I could play Bond. <laughs> I could pull it off. Yeah. I could pull you it could off. You could definitely pull Bond off. <laughs> Hang on, that's think, not what I said. I think we've gone a little blue. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not what I meant. Um, probably a like a Pierce Brosnan type age, so distinguished. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, slightly Pierce Brosnan now or Pierce Brosnan then? Then, right? Then. Um, just so checking. Just just on the edge of snowflakes in the hair and like just getting just to that a point. touch of salt and pepper. Yeah, because well, if you're, you're describing someone, you know, maybe. Is <laughs> <laughs> that just a really unfit, out of shape Bond? <laughs> He's just like, I can't do this. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I drank on Saturday. I need at least two days to recover. Those damn mm. Vespers. All right, these last ones are quick fire choices. So I'm going to give you two options. You need to give me your answer as fast as you can. There is no if, ands, or buts. All right. Can we so for these choices, I want you to imagine that which one you pick stays. Mm. The one you don't pick is never heard from again. Mm, okay. They're dead. They're murdered. They are dead. They never happened. They, they get never erased. Happened. They were aborted. The butterfly effect takes effect, and they never never began in the first place. Yeah. Are you ready? Go. Go. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star, Star Wars. Wars. Good. That's correct. Two points. Uh, Flintstones or Jetsons? Jetsons. Ooh. Ooh. Why Jetsons? I don't know. The song gets me. Meet George Jetson. Do, 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 do. Okay. Why Flintstones? That's all. Just because I like dinosaurs. <laughs> Yeah. That's, your, that's your the reason reasoning. is ridiculous as mine. I'd love to have a car where it's foot powered too. That's That'd the reasoning amazing. that gave us Jurassic World. I don't accept that as an answer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke. Good. Thank you, Coke. Uh, now, this one's a little bit difficult. Which was worse? So, the one that you pick kind of sort of stays almost. So, I want you to tell me the one you want to get rid of Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey? Twilight. Oh, Twilight, yeah, hands down. Correct, that is the right answer. Because yeah. if you said Twilight, that also removes Fifty Shades of Grey, that began as a Twilight fan fiction. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Blu-ray. Ding, 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 ding. It's a butterfly effect. There. Yeah, that's Correct. right. Thank you, Ashton Kutcher. That was our uh, bonus double round. <laughs> uh, Blu-ray or VHS? Oh. VHS. 
Yeah, I'd say VHS, yeah. I, I have more we, fond memories of VHS than yeah. I do of Blu-ray. Do you know the only memory I have of Blu-ray is swearing at the Blu-ray player because they never friggin' work? I think, how, how do we get to an age where we can send, you know, manless probes into space to go and probe Uranus and we can't get a Blu-ray player to work? I, I haven't had any problems with mine, so... They're slow and they say um, powering on and then they don't open. I have just fond just memories of $5 weeklies, $5 for five mm, weeklies. Which we were talking about last week. Yeah, and just – In the school holidays, like yeah, you're going to five weekly movies. And, well, it's, at the time it wasn't good. I have fond memories of thinking back and thinking how much I raged out when I would rent a tape and it hadn't been rewound. Oh, that was nothing I'd put nothing it worse. in and the credits had set up and <laughs> I would crack the sads. I would stomp my feet and kick the pillows and be like – well, it was, I'd push rewind. It's like taking two minutes rewind. I'm like, who did this? I want blood. I was like, <laughs> Hitler. I was like I'm going to find this person and I'm going to murder them. I'm going to murder their whole like, family. And I'd be like, I'm gonna, when I'm I return gonna this, the dog. I'm going to find out who rented this before me and I'm going to fuck that person up. But Should I, we explain to the millennials who are listening what a VHS is? Oh, like yeah. it's, it's a it's magic a black. It's like a giant cassette that you see on T-shirts now. <laughs> it's a magic black obelisk that when you yeah. put it into a magic box, filled with pictures to the screen. I'd have to say though, if you'd given me the choice between VHS and DVD, I would have taken DVD. That's why it's Blu-ray versus yeah, VHS. Yeah, because Blu-ray just shits me no end. It's, it's, just, it's the you know I attribute it to Sony because they can't do anything right. That's all. Wow. We at least with that Coke sponsorship to fall back on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, no. If Sony offered me money, I would set fire to it before I took yeah, it. Yeah, right. Okay. That's I'll, how much I love Sony. Don't set fire to them. No, no Sony can go and jump. All right. Okay. Well, Sony, I'm open to ideas. The only good thing Sony you ever can did half, was they invented you can half the sponsor Walkman. the show. They invented the Walkman and they made all their money on that and then they had a bunch of shitty ideas that never worked. Thank you, oh, Sony. What do you mean? They, they gave us Fantastic Four and they gave us the, the second you, the second Spider-Man set of Thank movies. You, Sony. And uh, I'm yeah, struggling. See, <laughs> and, then, Come on. and then they made it worse and they made the PlayStation. So that could also go and jump. <laughs> yeah. See, I this is, save this for your Sony podcast, all yeah, right? You're using good material. All right, last one I've got. You last ready? question. This is the, right, this is the absolute buzzer killer. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Oh, like movies? Marvel or DC? I love DC, but they make terrible movies. <laughs> Marvel owns them in the movies department. In animated about, movies department, I go think, DC. That, that sounds like we have it's an answer. It's a very complex. Go and look in my room. There's like a I'd rather two not. bookcases dedicated to each <laughs> one. There's a reason I left that. this to last because I knew yeah, it would no, tear I, you in I, half. Yeah, I can't. Can't answer. I mean, he's broken. You've broken yeah, him. Yeah, there's so many. This is like I did what I could. We don't have long enough for this. Like we need a whole new show. <laughs> That's a podcast. That's in a itself podcast itself. itself. Marvel versus DC. You could make fifty shows out of something like that. Mm. Well, I have another little surprise for you guys. Um, throughout the rest of the, the whole, you're just full of great surprises. We should have you on earlier. Questions. Yeah, we should have launched with you. <laughs> I'm really trying to, to push myself. We should have raised launched with him and set the bar for guests. That's right. <laughs> Future well, guests. I, I brought presents, so hopefully that does raise oh, the bar wow. for future guests. Uh, given we've just had Halloween gone past, I thought yeah. I'd bring in a few uh, special little presents for the guys. Wow. What have we got? So this did get delivered to my mailbox from a certain company whose name I'll probably say because we've pimped the hell out of this thing so far. We've yeah, that's Sony right. And Co- yeah, we have hauled uh, ourselves out well, today. So, so you're <laughs> not going to give us any money. Yeah, this came from uh, Loot Crate, which sends you a box of awesome movie or uh, TV or trivia stuff yep. every month. Yep. This month's box was Halloween themed. And so in uh, aspect of the previous podcast you've done, I present you with Is a- Is this Gwyneth Paltrow's box, head in a box? That would be no. amazing. Oh, that would be plush awkward. face hugger. Oh, oh, wow. From the oh, Alien sequence. We just did Alien no, the other day. 
That's so cool, man. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. I love how happy he looks. We'll take a photo of that. <laughs> and we also have a plush Texas Chainsaw Massacre doll. Oh, no. Leather face. That's awesome. Cool. And uh, what we- I think is the piece de resistance, we have a Camp Crystal Lake flag. Oh, we're very horror themed. I'm Blood stained at all. Cool. Uh, and the box that comes in even gets turned into a zombie mask. Oh, sweet. Wow. Thank Rocket you. And, uh, and this little pin, which is like a Halloween theme pin as well. So you guys can have that. You're a champion. So, yes. awesome. Thank you to Luke Crate for our sponsors. Yeah, um, best, yeah. best guest ever. But I also have one other little thing for you. Oh, man. Um, We're not been, worthy. Been, We're not worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. worthy. Get out. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for over a couple of months now, and I love what you're doing, and I want to support as much Thank as I can. You. That's why I came on oh, here. It's lovely. So I have created a handmade present for you. Wow. You have not. I made you a scene three. Oh, wow, that wow. is fucking awesome. That nice. works. Wow, give it a bit of a click. Oh, that's nice. I love that sound. Oh, there we there go. That's uh, so, so Thank that's you, heaps, man. I super appreciate that. These are going to be the best selfies for this episode. Now we're going to have like, props we're going to have to set up when we record. This is yeah. great. We'll do what we can. Cool. As I said, this is 100% bribery in an effort to try and get invited back on. So <laughs> We've already got decided. you for the Bell Brooks episode. Yeah, that's it. I love that sound. Uh, Action. Ooh, that's awesome. You made that, right? Yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you. Man is on a mission. Thank you so much. No worries at all. The bar Normally is- we say thank you for being on the show. You know we're not going to be able to. Yeah. But now we really mean it. <laughs> we're not going to be able to get any more guests now. Yeah. It's yeah. like, if I got to bring shit, I'm just not, I'm out. I'm just, it'll just be me and Shane now. I hope you're happy. <laughs> You've ruined it. <laughs> well, if you, uh, if you need someone else to come on, uh, I might be able to We've got to a permanent guest now. Know. We're not uh, going to be able to. Question, questions from, from you, and I can see that being a regular segment. <laughs> That's section right, yeah. just slot in at the end. Thanks heaps, man. We really appreciate that. It's, it's, it's honestly been to... a pleasure not to give you, not only give you presents, but to, to be here and uh, to talk about yeah, such a really fantastic. Did. I'm loving the discussion. We're learning a lot from the show as we go, and we're probably mm. we're talking about making some changes soon and stuff like that because we'll end this season, take a small break, and then come back. Um, but yeah, we're really digging it, and we're slowly getting some momentum, which is good. Yeah. Um, our downloads are slow. Shout, shout out to Romania. Yeah, Romania, two percent of our listeners. We've got to right. respect them. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. No. Um, speaking of guests, stop it. you're upsetting them. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> Romania. Um, speaking of guests, next week we have. Uh, we're going to have an old friend of ours, Seville, who's going to be on the show. Yep, talented and singer. Beautiful singer. Yeah. Um, very, Keeping very talented theme. woman. And, yes, yeah, staying with that theme, we're going to be doing movies that are musicals. Movies that are Fantastic. musicals. Yeah, so we're going to cover The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Chicago. And? And you did tell me before. Aladdin. Aladdin, which I'm excited about. So you're going to cry like a baby because Robin Williams is Oh, you bring Robin Williams in the equation and I am down for the count. Out. Um, I'm going to watch that, the end of Jack on YouTube. I watched that at least once a day. The speech he gives at the end of Jack. I just, whenever I feel really sad and I just want to have a good cry. Right in the heart heart muscles. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't even get angry as well, which is because when you know when people quote stuff on like Facebook, oh, this guy said this. I'm like, well, he didn't say it. The, the, the writer wrote it. And, the writer and, wrote it. And the yeah, but, but that stuff, and... I just let it slide. I don't be a prick about it because I'm just like, it's Ron Williams. I'll, um, I'll have to give the disclaimer now. I'm not a musicals person. As Nor if you were listening I. last week, you would have you would have heard I don't like musicals in the slightest at all, ever. I'm looking at you, Les Miserables. Um, <sighs> so it's going to be produced. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it could be. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, you surely you're going to like the Wizard of Oz and Aladdin. I actually love Aladdin. Yeah, which is probably the only exception to the rule because of Robin Williams. Yeah, 
And because one of my favourite Robin Williams films is Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. And I love it even more after I found out that he just went absolutely batshit crazy and ad-libbed all of his dialogue as a jockey. Mm. Yeah. Um, because you can't write that shit down. Nah, so. What's even um, better is he was doing it with like a, an Asian film crew who didn't really understand English. So he's doing all this excellent A-grade material, but no one's uh, laughing. And he's like, man, this, I've got to really ramp it up. I've got to, I've got to get it better than that. No one on set's laughing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and where can people contact us? Uh, so get us on Facebook at yep. Scene3Podcast and that. also Scene3Podcast at gmail.com. Um, all those pictures you're sending are inappropriate, I have to say. Keep sending them, I say. <laughs> um, Mark doesn't want to see them, but I'll, I'll try and check them first. Maybe the Senator Attention Chain or... Attention yeah, Chain. Yeah, that's it. Subject line, please. Yep. Docking. <laughs> NSFW. <laughs> Blue Waffle. Yeah. <laughs> Lemon Party. Uh, well, thank you again for um, joining yeah. us on another mystical adventure on yep. Gene Wilder's Brilliance. And we'll be back with you next week for musicals. Yeah, episode 10. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.